And we are coming down in three, two, one. Welcome to Getting Sports with Drunk. I'm your host, Cupcake the Riddler, and I'm joined by... Mark. Sheen Washable. Nope. Captain Planet Soul. The Mask Chris Massey. And the Red of a Red Baron. Crashing noises. The landing gear was up. How's that halo top? It's... It's Peter butter cup flavored. <laughs> we, we've already came to the... the reasoning that that's why you decide you're going to start Skyping in more is just so you can have Halo Top ice cream during the show. If I really wanted to, I would just walk into Peter's house and put it in the freezer. <laughs> just call, hey, I'm going to need some freezer space. <laughs> it would work. You all right? <laughs> Moving to... Uh, ho- you want, you want What's going on over there? He's uh, changing, changing destination... The Riddler is, is a getting ready uh, to spread out there, Paul. Try wiggling the uh, the big cords. Yeah, that's what that she in? said. Aha! Uh-huh. Watch that episode. Of that Family was actually Guy. a pretty good one. Six. <laughs> right this town, take a little. Also, who picked George Street tonight? I have my guess, but. Well, there's only one person that gets is every fucking time we're here. It's not true. That's true. <laughs> that was very funny. Hi, Mass. What's up? Fuck you too, then. Are are your eyes in better shape today? Yes. <laughs> How's your sneezing? Well, how many times did I sneeze in a row after Mock left? Eighteen. Yeah, I heard. It was pretty good. What happened? So we played disc golf yesterday, and by about the fourth hole, Massey was blind. For the rest of the for the rest of the course, we gave you one over the worst score on the hole, and you still came in second. <laughs> a couple of sevens means, I had. <laughs> that that very simply means Kenna wasn't shooting much better than me. Pretty much. Yeah, that would be uh, an understatement. <laughs> but have fun playing. Yeah, it's it was all, a good time. All that matters. It's fun. Souls, how you doing? I'm here. What are you drinking, Souls? From Pipe Works Brewing, located in Chicago, Illinois. I'm drinking Ninja vs. Hayes. It's from the Riddler Collection. It is from the Riddler Collection. Mock? I have from Counterweight Brewing, a workhorse pilsner. Good name. From the good folks at Tangeray, uh in uh, London, England, I have gin. Which would be part of a gin and tonic, which the tonic is supplied by Fever Tree. Which type of Tangeray? This is number 10. Yeah, well, there's like five Tangerays, so. I, uh, I, I didn't know that. Why are there five different types of Tangerays if that one's number 10? Because reasons that one, that's why. <laughs> okay. I was expecting some kind of scientific yes, answer. You don't... 
Uh, from the Mrs. Mass collection, I'm drinking Snapple. Oh, oh man, I was going like rose or something. Yeah. <laughs> I have a Mike's Hard Black Cherry Aid. <laughs> Mike's Hard Limeade. Uh, I'm drinking from our friends at Blackhawk Brewing, the Scoby Snacks Disco Pig. Kyle, give me your best disco voice. <laughs> Could you do uh, like uh, Bee Gees? Yeah, give me your best Bee Gees. Shake your groove thing, shake your groove thing, yeah, yeah. I'll give him a pass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least he did it. Hey. <laughs> hey. It's a disco. To- toast of excellence. Anybody have anything? Uh, my toast is to Aaron Rodgers for making things pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm enjoying watching this. Me too. And, and it's funny because every time they're like, listen, the Packers are going to do right by it, and then they just do something else to really <laughs> piss him off. Yeah. You see that they, they they released that receiver. I don't I don't even I didn't recognize the guy's name because he was a fourth or fifth string receiver. Yeah, but Rogers came out and was saying you know, like talking the guy up pretty big, and then they released him. He was pissed. So you <laughs> got anything? My toast of excellence is two. No, I had it. Skip me. All right. Okay. Uh, mine is to uh, the Reds and Cubs who put on a show uh, on Sunday. It was was it uh, ten combined home runs? Yeah. Which I mean, it's just fun, fun to watch. Didn't watch it. Watched the highlights. <laughs> Mass. Mine is to Jason Tatum for his sixty point comeback win. Uh, shot twenty of thirty seven from the field, five from seven deep, and fifteen to seventeen from the line in a win over. Who do you win against? Golden State, was it? That's not right. Uh, I'm letting him figure it out. Kyle's not paying attention. The Phillies are playing. It was against the Spurs. That's what it was. Yep. All right. uh, So while Kyle figures his out, I have a few. Uh, First one is to uh, John Dorsey, the general manager of the Colts, for his annual draft day prank (laughs) that he pulls on a... uh, Sorry, John Dorsey, the Lions exec... The prank he pulls on his his buddy Chris Ballard, who's the GM of the Colts, where he prank calls him every year in the first round, pretending <laughs> to be some bullshit team with an offer, <laughs> and it's always like absurd. And so that was funny. Um, to the Seattle Kraken for getting their I don't know if I did this one last week. I can't remember. No, I think you just texted us. Yeah, the Seattle Kraken uh, made their final payment expansion payment, meaning that they are officially an NHL team. Congratulations to them. Uh, to Yadimir Yager for confirming that he will play. Um, for his, the Czech League team that he plays for after they were promoted to the um, to the top Czech League, um, which means he will be starting his this next season at the age of 50. Um, Good for him. Yep. Yeah, and then Brady. Uh, <laughs> one to Mike Vick. I don't know if you guys saw, but yeah. he ran a 40-yard yeah. dash on Saturday at the age of 40 and ran a 4.64, which was faster than like 70% of the draft that just got picked. It was like, damn, I'm slow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then another one was to uh, uh, Ryan Pace of the Chicago Bears. Not for any of the picks he made, but for the like the way things kind of happened. Just all kind of worked out. Because the guy that they were projected to be taken through all the mock drafts, they got him in the second round. They traded up with the Giants to get the quarterback that they wanted at what a lot of people are considering to be a big steal in terms of where they got him. And then on top of it, 
the Vikings were also one of the teams trying to trade up with the Giants to get him. So not only did they get him, but they kept the division foe from getting him. But even more than that, apparently he was one of the GMs on the phone with Denver trying to trade up to nine to get Justin Fields. But Denver wanted a first, second, a third, and a second next year. And he said no. And if anybody can, if anybody has a word to describe Ryan Pace when it comes to trades, it's aggressive. And I'm surprised that he didn't take it. And then I also have a toast of dis-excellence. But I'll to Ryan of, Pace? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll let you, uh, my not yet, two years. My toast of excellence into the Phoenix Suns mascot for signing a shoe deal. Hmm. I think it was with Adidas. Adidas. Pretty fun. Uh, and my toast of dis-excellence is to this uh, this breakaway train of uh, just, like, bad, bad media and publicity of the Le- uh, LeBron James. It's been pretty yeah, rough. He, I mean, it all, he, we don't talk politics, so, but it all started with this political thing, He you know, this uh, movement political thing. We won't get into it that happened. But then, like, he came back from injury. He, like, took a flop against the Raptors where he, like, grabbed his face like he got elbowed in like the face or whatever. Nobody was within like six inches of him. Um, he went out and said that he thought that the um, whoever came up with the play-in games for the NBA should be fired instead yep. of just doing a traditional thing when he was like a big proponent of it early in the season about letting the team play because the Lakers are in sixth. And then they came back and they were all they were full steam ahead. And you know, and then he, he it's not like LeBron to ever make excuses, and he, he's definitely not on the right side of thirty. But, you know, it's like to come out after the high ankle sprain and just publicly state, like, I'll never be 100% again after recovering from his high ankle sprain at the age he's at. Like, it just, it kind of seems like Wah. he's on this, like, downward spiral, <laughs> which is going to make it real annoying when the Lakers win the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Wah. But, yeah. So, uh, there you go. <clears throat> do, we have to, do we have to sip in silence for anything this week? It feels like we've been doing it every week for, like, a year now. I don't think I already died. I don't think so. I think... Yep. Mash is gonna Mash. search it. Who died? Don't worry, it's not gonna be Betty White. The little sports deaths in 2021. Hey, is it possible that Betty White was the thigh gap? It was. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Nothing. Nothing. Right, nothing. Em. Crack him. Oh, Kendall, don't do that. Should I not have done this? <laughs> there Kendall, was still that, there was still a lot of gin in there. That's like, that's like a four to one ratio of gin to tonic. <laughs> He doesn't care. Why did you also only bring one can of tonic? I only had one left. That's <laughs> kinda, this is how this kind of came to be, actually. Kendall's going to need a ride home. No, no, I'm not going nuts. Mask, can you get him? Yeah, I'll come right down. Should I give it a quick shake, probably? Yeah, with the carbonated beverage, I think that's a good idea. Well, just kind of like a, not like a, you know what I mean, just a, okay, we're good. Man, imagine if the glass exploded. <laughs> no! <laughs> Boo. Wah, wah. Wow. You did it. I heard you. Kendall did it. This guy's just flossing now. Yeah, what do you yep. think you are? What, what do you got? Some ice cream stuck in your teeth? <laughs> no, I have. Uh, not going to answer that question. Oh my! You got cavities, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Or never mind. It was like a save, and then you just dug it back in. The- <laughs> I was going to say pubes, and he just came out and said. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you can tell me. Yeah, on the air. <laughs> so how many? He's of, laughing. <laughs> how many of the rounds of the draft did you actually watch? None. None. All seven. 
So you didn't. Not even, I was working you, the entire time. No, I know you were working. I just didn't know if you had any time at all. To... I was Kyle, like, you know that we've watched UFC fights in the Burger King dining room, right? I don't have ESPN out there. Ah, uh, you did. That was Fox. Ah, uh, might have been. Fox covered the draft. No, they didn't. Yeah, they might have. From the parking lot. They did not cover the draft. It was ABC, ESPN, and NFL Network. Come on, you get ABC. <laughs> also, there's no way that you couldn't have streamed the draft. Could have been like Kendall. You just didn't want to watch it. Two minutes behind. I got at one point. I was forty seconds behind, and then <laughs> some fell, fell back to two minutes. <laughs> I don't really know how that worked. Um, yeah, Apollo uh, has a little bit of trouble with being up to date by live stuff. So, yeah. but it was it was cool. I was like watching the the first round. I mean, I just, you, you could not be cheap and just borrow someone's account like the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I like how it's it's like every year they just make it more and more of an event. Like, hey, we got Kings of Leon. Kings of Leon. Yeah. I've been roaming around. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Hey, do you remember that R.A. Brianna Lopez? I do. Thumbs up. Yeah, it's like it's like what an event! It's so ridiculous. Just do the draft, get over it. It is just it is so funny. I just don't like the fact that they make a pick and they have to talk about the other pick before they make the pick. <laughs> just fucking go on with it. I I do think like say what you want about Goodell, I think he shines at the draft. Yeah, he does. He's gotten better in recent years. He's just funny. Like he knows. Like nobody ever likes the commissioner. No. Except for the NBA. But, like, the commissioner, you know, the, the, the rule guy, like, it's hockey, right? Where every time, uh, what's his name there, Bettman comes out with the Stanley Cup, they just fucking rip him <laughs> apart. Yeah, but Goodell really eats it up. I like you know, when he came out, he's like, oh, I, I didn't leave my basement for this. Come on. <laughs> it was pretty fucking funny. Oh, and, like, listen, the chair thing. Stupid. She, like, I get it. Like, that was a big thing last year, but it just. Also, Kendall, thank you for covering me. Oh, uh, you're welcome. I I wish that they did it once, like you're somebody, you know, one lucky person for the entire draft. But it's like, okay, here's you know, J- Jim Bob's gonna sit in the chair to see the Titans pick. Jim Bob Cooter. Well, he yeah. got to read the pick before it was draft, before it was read. Who, Jim Bob? Whoever was in the chair. <laughs> Goodell would walk up with the card and be like, "Hey, check that out. Yeah, <laughs> it's my wife. I'm about to say this name." Get a five-second sneak peek at who your team's drafting. Yeah. Hope you know him. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because I'm pretty sure that any of those fans that were in the front rows were not fans. Because especially as you get to the later rounds, he'll read off a name and everybody will go yeah. and look back at each other. And then he'll finish reading the name of the position. Everybody will just fucking freak out. Yeah, I feel like they like took defensive back Adrian Carter. I mean, the the <laughs> fans are there day three. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> I want to go with me. I really do. It's a lot I, of standing I would go around. Either the first round or the or day two. I wouldn't go day three. Is I it, would. You win a bunch of shit there. I'd also rather go day three because day three is like, like day day one is when they have like the like make a wish kids and all that shit and like day three is like when Pat McAfee comes out to announce picks yeah. and fucking like like NFL legends and shit like that because they got to keep people watching. 
Is that guy from the Cowboys do it again? No. Yeah, he oh, was there know. for the second second round pick. Okay. Did they boo Drew the shit out of him this year? Uh, he went on just as much of an insane rant and then messed up uh, Devonta Smith's name. He called him Devonta Dion, I think. Better name. Devonta Dion. It was something weird that he messed up. I but, did like, yeah. uh, I, think, I think it was Kawiti Pei when they were interviewing him. And the first thing he said, he's like, my mom just retired. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she's done. Yeah. He has a really nice, um, I, guess, I don't want to call it a backstory, but Not a I don't know another word for Not it. A Corvette. I do like the the meme that came out right before. It was like, "Hey, here's this guy that got drafted, and here's everybody he knows who died in his life." <laughs> yeah, that was last year to a fucking T. I saw there was a meme uh, before the draft came out, and it's like ESPN when they realized none of the top thirty two picks have a dead relative, <laughs> and it was just SpongeBob freaking out. <laughs> um. The Mac Jones comparisons to Tom Brady for the rest of the night were fucking hysterical. I like more. Like, I more. I like more the meme of him looking like he's the Joker walking out of the hospital. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, there was the one where it was like uh, the Cam Newton plays sixty commercial from like eight years ago. The kid yeah. got to be fucking Mac Jones. That was fucking funny. <laughs> but didn't they use that joke already once before? Yeah, they, was have. it Kyle Allen? Yeah. I was like, I knew I've seen that before. There was the, the the meme of like, you know, last time the Patriots, you know, drafted a quarterback with a three letter first name and a five letter last name. Yeah, it's like, it's just a reach. It's a reach for for a joke. I I do think that it will Kevin, forever be funny when they show the uh, the Brady combine picture. It is very funny. <laughs> it is. That's like the saddest picture of all time. <laughs> This is what peak performance looks like. Like he he looks like one of us. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a professional athlete. <laughs> the greatest professional athlete of all time. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know about that. What are the greatest professional? Just athletes? stirring the pot over there. <laughs> I had to, to think about some of the actually greater athletes. Michelle Kwan. To name a few. <laughs> Kwame Brown. Well, I named one. Is that Kwame Brown? I said Michelle Kwame. But the the draft is over, so Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and all those you know people can go back into the woodwork of... Yeah, what does he do for the rest of the year? He's getting ready for next year. You know, He's an analyst during the year. For who? Like For ESPN. But like NFL or just college? Uh, a little bit of both. See, the only time they're brought on television is to talk about the, the prospects yes. of being drafted. Also, who told him that he should wear his hair that way? I think he's been the, wearing his hair like that for 30 years. I think nature just did it. I mean, that's the, the greatest widow's peak of all time. It's aggressive. <laughs> can open a, a, a can, I bet. <laughs> Anyone got a bottle opener? <laughs> nope, I got you. Right here. <laughs> he's a Ravens fan. He looks like Ravens. He looks like Brian Billick. They're probably brothers. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, imagine that. Like you, all your, you know, you, you, you prep for this and prep and this and that, and then you just you get a, then you get over and you get half the things you say wrong, and uh, and then it's fine. You still have a job. 
Man, that guy fucking hates when teams take running backs in the first round. <laughs> yeah, he does. Although, I mean, I mean he's not wrong though. <laughs> like, it he, is the most replaceable position. But he is and he isn't. Like, so you have Pitts at the Giants took Barkley with the third pick. No, but realistically, if you look at the hindsight of it, I mean, Barkley had a outstanding rookie year and has been pretty much hurt ever since. So if you go who's, back, I mean, who's the was, most successful first round running back in recent memory? Elliot. He lasted three years. Elliot. Well, I mean, are you talking like career wise? Yeah. I don't know, like maybe Ladanian Tomlinson. Steven he, Jackson. He was what fifth overall. When was Peterson drafted? Adrian Peterson was in the first round. So yeah, Adrian Peterson might be the most recent. But but really, like I, it's funny because I was just talking about this the other day. Where I, I again, I love Saquon. I love that he's on the team. But you look back at it. I mean, is Quentin Nelson the better pick? Yeah, because he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. But but even beyond that, like he has played every game. He's been the probably one of the best offensive linemen in the game since he came. Like so, so I could understand the reasoning of not wanting the running back, you know, in the first round. It, it makes sense. Like I said, it's the most replaceable position in the game. Well, it's a, it's it's not. I, I don't, don't agree with that. When you don't it's have a good running back, it's very evident. Who's more replaceable? So, so here's the thing. It, no, I, I'm just I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just asking. No, no, no. Receiver. My my reasoning like is what receiver three, punters. receiver two. My my reasoning is punters is not. You can be a good running punter, back. Punter tough. <laughs> I'm joking. You need a good punter. My my reasoning is you could be a good running back, but if the offensive line is bad, then it. I mean, we we saw it kind of with Le'Veon Bell and with the Jets. Like he was a good back, but when he went to a was lesser, t- yeah, because he wasn't even really good with the Chiefs. He didn't do anything with the Chiefs. He was good back for the Steelers. Is what you're but I'm saying, like he when he was on the Steelers, he he was a top three back and went to a lesser team. Yeah, sat out a year, but went to a lesser team and was bad. It, it's you uh, an offensive line can make a mediocre running back look great, and a bad offensive line can make a good running back look. Um, it, it's well, it's it's they go hand in hand. Well, it's kind of like. Um... I still think that it's a lot easier to find a running back than it is to find a number one receiver. I agree. One thing too, like in in the first round, like sorry, not to cut you off, but I agree because from the standpoint of, I agree with what you're saying. Like a bad a bad offensive line can make a good running back look worse than he is, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. But a good running back, even with a bad offensive line, will still find ways to produce. Whereas, like. A number one receiver with a really bad quarterback is not a number one receiver anymore. Like, the only reason Hopkins was able to put up the numbers that he put up was because the quarterbacks he had could still throw the deep ball. And that's where Hopkins made a lot of yards out of. I mean, name name a, name a, a clear-cut number, like, top ten number one receiver in the NFL that has a bottom ten quarterback. Larry Fitzgerald. For a long time. But, I mean... But like, not really. Exception but, rather but, than rule. But Larry Fitzgerald, yeah, Larry Fitzgerald's. In the, I would agree, he's more of the exception because Larry Fitzgerald was the type of receiver that he was. He was a possession guy. He wasn't a deep ball guy. But I mean, like, like 
Yeah, but when you have John Scotland throwing you the football, you're not going to do anything. Unless you're fucking... Or uh, Kevin Cobb. Blair Fitzgerald. He, like, he really didn't do that much. John Scotland threw like 94 yards and had like eight picks a game. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I still think running back's a lot easier to replace. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it from my my team standpoint. I mean, we have we've had a really good running back every single year, and ship them off and get a new one, and it's not a problem. And we do it every year. Round yeah, they're four really and good. Five, at it. No problem at all. But it's it. Allen Robinson's the first one, number one we've had in franchise history. Like, yeah, like true number one. I mean, like it's it's. I think it's a lot harder because a true number one. It, it's it's a lot harder to. Be a good Is receiver. Brandon Marshall not a true number one. I mean, he was for a very short. I, I think he was for like three or four years. Or Alshon. Alshon was never. Alshon was one. not. Not while he was in Chicago, he wasn't. He he had that one good year with Philly. And that was about it, in my opinion. Um, Brandon Marshall was a true number one. Uh, I'll give I'll give you that. But it doesn't happen very often. Look at the gap between Robinson. and Steelers don't have a number one receiver right now. Don't worry, you just drafted him. You have a bunch of twos. <laughs> I agree with you. They're all number twos. Well, we're going to be diving into uh, a lot of draft talk uh, soon. We're going to switch gears for a second. Uh, joining us uh, via uh, Google Meet, uh, James Wojtek. In fact, we got you, James, I think you're muted. Uh, there we oh, go. yes. I love that introduction. I was getting <laughs> to that, that talk. I. I'm an Eagles fan, so I heard Alshon Jeffrey and my ears pierced instantly. Uh, <laughs> any thoughts on the draft? Did you watch any of the draft? I did, yeah. You know, um, I don't know how much close you guys follow the Eagles, but uh, a lot of heat on Howie Rhodesman. And uh, you by chance see that the video that kind of made its way with the uh, the fist pumps that were going on and then yeah. there's a little dissension amongst the uh, – Amongst the, the draft room, so it's kind of made it's it's uh <clears throat> it's kind of made some uh, some some uh, people laugh about uh, how dysfunctional the Eagles are. But all that being said, I actually really liked what the Eagles did in the draft. Uh, I, I think Smith's going to be a really good player. Um, I know he's undersized, but I really th- I love his attitude. I love his work ethic. Um, not that you need a whole Eagles breakdown for me, but uh, the um, <laughs> the center guard they got from from uh, Alabama had a bunch of injuries with his. I guess he had two ACL tears and two ankle injuries, which is a little shaky to think about. But uh, but overall, I thought uh, I thought they had a pretty good draft, and, and I, th- I thought it was a really interesting draft. A lot of movement, you know, uh, the, the number three pick overall. There was some some dissension where what was going to happen, and uh, Lance going was kind of surprising. So I really enjoyed it. I don't know how, how you guys felt, but well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be covering the Eagles later in the show, and you're doing a better job than I'm about to do. So. <laughs> I got I got plenty of time. My daughter's asleep, so if you want me to stick around? I can give you I can give you. I don't know if I can, we can curse on here, but I can give you a lot of. Oh, no, please! Of we encourage the cursing. <laughs> Let it fly. Um, so go I'll go quick around the room. Uh, I don't know if you can see. Uh, so over on the, the left hand side, that's Kyle. Hola. Uh, the the man of many names we call him. Uh, we got. Um, <laughs> Mark, we got Mark, who's a big Deshaun Jackson fan. Ooh, he'll tell terrible, you, terrible, he'll, terrible. He'll tell you that he has all his jerseys nice. in a. Uh, we got Paul, the, the Riddler. Hello. And on the, your screen uh, next to you, uh, that's the mask, Chris Massey. Um, he was a new kids on the block for a little while. Yeah, for a really short period of time. You know. <laughs> well, uh, I will fail a quiz on names instantly, but I <laughs> I will do the best I can. I appreciate it. Uh, nice so, to meet you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, so J- James called me at work, uh, I want to say a couple weeks ago, and uh, was unfortunate. We couldn't really get it down to get uh, – 
on the air there. But, you know, fortunately, we do this show, which is, you know, sports-based and, you know, <laughs> and we do it every week. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, hey, why don't, why don't you join us on here instead? Um, and so, so why don't you give us a little background uh, about yourself first? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher in, in New Haven, Connecticut. I teach uh, middle school and I coach uh, football and basketball. Uh, I live in Trumbull. And, um, and then I, uh, you know, I just kind of want, I've been over the course has been, uh, you know, been, been writing a little bit and, uh, yeah, I, I reaching out to you, um, you know, I've been trying to promote that. I did, I did, I did write and, and publish a book, uh, titled defeated and, uh, you know, just kind of just shamelessly plugging it anywhere I go. So <laughs> no, 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 that's what it's all that's about. Do it. Uh, so <laughs> what was kind of like the, the, the background of how did the you decided to write a book come to be? What what was kind of that uh, to use a word from earlier in the show like the catalyst? Ooh, like the catalyst. <laughs> Great vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the the players I were coaching were definitely experienced a lot of hardships that I kind of wanted to document and, and touch on. And then, um, in, in 2018, I, I found I was going to be a be um, a father. So those kind of stories kind of blended together, and I started uh it started almost therapeutic, just documenting some of the things that I was going through and some of the things that my my, uh, my players are going through at the time. New Haven, I don't know how if you guys know New Haven that well. I'm assuming you're all the guys in the Connecticut area. Yeah, we're, we're actually recording yeah. in West Haven right now. Oh, yeah. Okay, sweet. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, New Haven can be a kind of rough area. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, experienced some things and saw some things and, and heard uh, some stories. So, um, the, the story pretty much delves into the lives of the four characters, Vinny, Terrell, Lido, um, and uh, Freddie and, and, and those names are changed, but a lot of the struggles are, are very similar to what they went through. And then it also documents some of the things that, that although not a hundred percent true, but they're based very, very heavily on uh, true experiences. Um, so the story kind of definitely is like a, like a fiction, realistic fiction kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just, it was, it's been a really, uh, it was just a really interesting experience. It started off as like, kind of like, a, let me just see how this goes 20 pages and then in 40 pages, and then it came to 270. And uh, I was like, let me just, let me go for it. Let me try to publish this thing, and it, it's been kind of cool. So, do, do you have any uh, setbacks, kind of in the, the the publishing process? You know, like with the, with the COVID and anything. It was just kind of prior to. I just I luckily made it before the the COVID create the craziness of COVID uh, hit. Um, you know, the the, the nitbacks of publishing were just kind of like you know editing stuff. Um, you know, based I was very lucky. You know, a couple couple designs of the cover back and forth, but very like mis, mis, misdemeanor kind of things. Um, so that was that was kind of I was very fortunate in that part. So, mm-hmm. and uh, the the title of the book is defeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what, what kind of was the the inspiration for the title, or was it was it something you had it right off the bat, or? Yeah, you know, I, I I like the way it sounds. I wanted something short and to the point, and, and it kind of mirrors the idea of that, like you know, everybody's going through struggles, whether on the field or off the field, and we're all going to lose battles in some way or lose games, right? How do you respond, right? I don't want to make right. this too overly serious, by the way. Sorry. No, no, listen, this is your, this is your thing, you know? We're- yeah, yeah, no, it's, um. so, but yeah, so that that's kind of the whole point of this, you know, like a lot of kids in New Haven, and, and we all go through struggle and how, how we, how we handle adversity, right? How, how we battle through, through those, through those problems. And, um, you know, I think it's really easy because like, as a coach, you know, myself included, like a lot of times, I would just, you know, get in my car, drive home and, and, you know, not really think about, but not really fully understand what these kids are going through. And like, and, and, and even what anybody goes through on a day-to-day basis, right? Like we kind of easily, it's easy to forget about that. And um, I think it reveals a lot about character, about how you battle through those situations. So, uh, so yeah, I toyed around with the idea, but I liked the way defeated sounded. And, and um, I thought the design of the cover was actually pretty cool. I, I can't draw a design at all, but, but the, 
my friend had a little hand in that and they did a really good job with the with the lighting imagery and things like that so i think it came together pretty cool so uh i mean i don't want to digress too much you know from so and I also i don't want to put put anything on kyle but kyle you you started you know been coaching now for a little bit i don't know if so I started with Mike a couple of years ago and then I kept doing it. He had to stop, but I fell in love with it. I look forward to it every year. Um, what do you coach? Uh, baseball. Oh, awesome. That's yeah. great. What, le- what level do you, what, what level 13 do you guys to 15 years, 13 to 15. Oh. All right. So yeah, like same, same department. I'm, <laughs> it's, it's, a tough, it's, tough uh, it's definitely a project as of right now. You yeah. can see like when they're younger, they're not really being taught the right way. Like it's, yeah, I, it's a whole different game as when we were little compared to now. Yeah. I had kids that had never seen a football field before, never touched a football before, you know? And like you're teaching three point stances, you're teaching. So <laughs> the other funny thing about this, and this is documented in the book. I did. I played one year of high school football. I played like pop Warner. And so like the, the program was like a dying breed. So they just needed somebody to like, to be a body, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, um, so I, I got my certification, all that stuff, but like I was probably not the most qualified guy to be coaching football. <laughs> uh, I wrestled in high school, you know, I know the game, um, but uh, but yeah. So it was like a, it was my first year ever teaching anything. It was it was football, and I was just like, all right, let's go for it. So and like I was replacing like this 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 jacked black guy that was just like like a great like you know leader of men, and it was just awesome. And so it was like a big shoes to fill, um, but uh, but it, it ended up being a great experience. But yeah, you can definitely relate to the idea of like trying to get 13 to 15 year olds. And I, I was the only coach and we had like, you know, 30 kids on the sidelines. So you have to watch the game, make sure the kids aren't hitting each other or playing around or like, you know, trying to kick each other in the nuts while you're not looking or something <laughs> like that. You know? And uh, it, it was, it was wild, man. It was definitely an interesting, uh, interesting experience for sure. Uh, is there anything like specific that really like either, either a story uh, that, that, that made the book or just something in general that really, that kind of sticks out to you. Uh, like, um, like it's something that you, you find yourself sharing with a lot of people. Um, yeah. You know, so two stories that I kind of, I, I, I find pretty interesting. The first is, um, you know, like we, like the, some of the big struggles that like you overcome as a coach, you don't know how to handle like my very first game, like middle school football kind of like you probably with baseball i'm sure like your best your your best athletes take over right like it's pretty simple where like your best kids kind of do, do their thing so like you know two of my best players my quarterback and my running back very first game we're, we're kind of pissed off at some of the game plan stuff we're running the ball a lot and they literally just quit and just took their equipment off and threw them at my feet and this is like we're down one touchdown it's not like we're getting blown out or anything like that you know what i mean so i was like okay this is gonna be fun and um just having to like be like so what do we you know how do i handle that like so like um you, you know you debate what what the right decision is and how you and how you go about that and uh you know do you let them back on the team because if you don't let them back on the team like what are they going to do after school for three hours a day you know they can make a lot of bad decisions but at the same time what kind of president does that send on like the other kids like are they going to think, oh man, coaches just get keeping these kids because they're good and like I-, I can do whatever I want kind of thing? Um, so that was a tough call. That was a really tough call about how to handle that. And the other thing was, uh, you know, I- the practice field, and I use the word field very loosely that we had was <laughs> like, you know, like a barren field, like with like that we just, that was right next to a corner store. And uh, right in the middle of practice, like I'm going over something and like three kids, you know, leave the corner store with like bags, backpacks. And one of the kids has something in his hand and it looked like a gun of some, like or something. And he takes it and he puts it in his waistband or his sock. 
and they run right across my field and like you just see the cop car zooming by like <laughs> right in the middle of practice so I, was like, I was like oh we're not in Kansas. quick we're water break Kansas. water break <laughs> yeah exactly okay let's, let's get back to you know what i mean yeah. so it, it was so those are just and you know those are in the book but those are and so that's the part where those are true like true stories mm-hmm. like some apps things that actually happened so and then um you know and then some personal things like you know that's the part that's a little tricky is that like you know i uh i shared some things about like you know when I was, uh, when I was found out I was going to have, have a kid, like I worked the, worked, you know, the, the drinking thing a little bit too hard and like had, you know, had some things I wasn't proud of, but I wanted to share those things too. It's like a full, full on story about like, where I'm not like this great person, like nothing crazy, you know, just try to work the college years. Telling your truth. We, I get it. Exactly. So, yeah. So it was, um, so I think, yeah. So I think, I hope, you know, I think hopefully people will see the vulnerability and also see like the idea that, that everybody's going through some things, but, uh, but yeah, it was it was a really it was a really eye opening experience, and uh, you know that's kind of the whole goal of the book too. Is it not just to be about football, but to be about like something for everybody, and, and hopefully everybody that picks it up, even right. if you're like not totally into the sport aspect, could get into it. Uh, I have a, another question before I, I don't want to like just dominate the discussion or kind of field it to you guys, but um, you know, not assuming assuming your age, you know, you, you seem fairly young. Um, did you did you face anything from other coaches and or teachers, you know, when joining, joining the program, was there any type of like, we'll call it age discrimination. Did you ever face anything kind of like that? Like, Oh, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's just a kid or anything like that. Or, uh, you know, I was, the, the biggest issue I faced was that like, was more so about academic stuff. You know what I mean? And I, and I really respected that. Like, I think a lot of the teachers were kind of, and I being a teacher, like I get it, like, you know, um, but like some kids, you know, their best they could do was like a, was like a C minus. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that like, you know, some like me and math don't get, don't, don't work. (laughs) So like, you know, like that was like my, my cap. Um, and I think, you know, being to call it like it is not, not to get into race, but like I was a white, you know, younger kid, you know, coaching predominantly like, you know, you black, black Latino kids. You know what I mean? We had one white kid who's in the book named Freddie and, 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 uh, you know, there were, so I think that was another factor too, was like, you know, um, I lived in Trumbull, which, which is a very different area than the New Haven. So I think that part played definitely a role. Um, but I was open and honest about that. You know what I mean? I didn't try to like, remember one conversation I had with the kids, um, talking was, uh, you know, like they're talking about fighting cause they, they would fight sometimes during practice. I'm sure if you baseball, you might have the same thing. And, uh, you know, I would just be like, sometimes the best thing to do is walk away. And one of the kids stops and says, coach, you can't walk away in New Haven. And sometimes that was kind of eye opening to me to be like, okay, you know, and, and like get that idea that like, yeah, like you, it's easy for me to say this, but I'm not, you know, some, some, some kids talked about how they had to take a certain way to get to practice. Cause if they walk down a certain road or street, you know, and they're not from that street, they could get, they could get shot or get killed or get hurt. You know what I mean? So I think some of those, those stories, like I wasn't aware of, cause I wasn't from that area. You know what I mean? So I think that part definitely was, uh, was a challenge for me. Uh, not so much my age, more, more like my, my background. Mm-hmm. So I saw in the bio of the book that you um you you replaced a, a very favorite favorite coach um type of thing. So like I mean I didn't play I, I was never a baseball kid growing up. Um, but I went the college I went to. Um, they had a very loved coach that got replaced during our uh, my time at school, and I know there was a lot of backlash from the students and the players, you know, time. type of thing, and big and, time. And, uh, Kyle, you didn't even go there. But I know about the situation. No, you don't. No, you I do. There. I was there every. I knew everything about you, sir. My coach never stopped talking about it. Anyway, um, so like, 
from you, like, personally, I mean, obviously, like, I'm sure it was hard to get certain kids that had been on the team. Because middle school, what, is six, six to eight, right? Yeah. So I'm sure yep. you had some kids that joined the team in sixth grade that were now eighth graders that were used to him and whatnot. So I can imagine the difficulties there. But, like, how, how did that, like, how difficult was that transition for, for you following someone that was so loved? I'm, I'm sure by not only the kids, but you know, by the, the, the rest of the athletic, because, I mean, you deal with other coaches from other sports, you deal with parents, you know, I'm sure parents loved the coach um, type of thing. Like, how, how was that transition for you? Yeah, it was tough, to be just very honest. Like Without, you know, without giving um, away the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, 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 and he was well-respected, and also because he was very successful. You know what I mean? And, like, I know it's middle school football, so it's like, you know, I mean, how, like, you know, but, but like, yeah, obviously, yeah, parents want to see their kids be Pete be successful so like and you picture like your first season and you have two like of your local better players walking off the field it's like what in the hell am I going to do so um it definitely was a challenge and, and you kind of questioning everything like you know you're, you're wondering like what in the hell are we going to face on on Saturday morning like am I doing this right um I, I was lucky and unlucky like I, I hate to say it but to just call, to call it like it is like the parent support we got was not great you know what I mean like I I not maybe not across the board, but unfortunately, like it, there were like a handful of parents that were at every game. You know, the bleachers were fairly empty. The championship game was like was stacked. Like they do a good job for that, but like there was it was bare bones, unfortunately, for for the in that department. But the kids, like I definitely had to work for their respect, and and um, I tried to show lead by example. Like I'm not like a big like motivational guy. I don't know, like you know. I don't, this is like, you know, I was covered with tattoos and, and he was, you know, it was like, come on guys, let's go. You know? <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, it was a tricky thing, but, um, but I did the best I could. And I think at the end, like they, you know, once they kind of bought in a little bit um, and understood, okay, coach is running the ball because that opens up the pass. And like, if you pass too much, it's just going to be a disaster because we can't protect off up front with our offensive line. And I think that they kind of got it, but like, obviously I can't sit them down and break that down for them. You know what I mean? So they had to kind of like get the idea of like, I got a clue out up here. You just got to trust me a little bit. Right. <laughs> so this is kind of an oddball question. So I grew up in Middletown, which oh. is very culturally diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up a, a basketball kid. Okay. And so, um, you know, we had a very strong mix across all our schools of, of races and ethnicities. But the majority of, of you know, our basketball team was, was African-American and whatnot now from that standpoint because there were some you know middletown has got some parts of it that are a little shaky um and whatnot did you ever find that like a lot of the kids that you coached were just like continuously trying to like emulate what they saw every sunday on tv instead of what actually like works on the football field i mean not that like and you know and not to play you know that's anything with race like not to say white kids don't do that you know, but like, like I know from my experience, like in basketball, like, you know, a lot of it, like when we played high school basketball, anybody that could dunk was whatever dunk was on the TNT doubleheader the night before, yeah. you know, whatever LeBron James did, everybody was trying to do, you know? And so, right. so like, does that like present, cause you know, like I think you find, especially in the African-American community, a lot of those young kids look up to the African-American players as, you know, these like superheroes and like aspirations to be them kind of thing that they like. Like I could see how that could cause problems uh, from a coaching standpoint, 
you know, from a playing yeah. standpoint, it's fun because you're like, oh, yeah, my buddy's going to pull up like Steph Curry in the game. Like, cool. But like from a coaching standpoint, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, no, you, you can't just hurdle that guy every time. <laughs> you don't get to try to hurdle him. You're not Elliot. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like um, the big in basketball, too, because I, I coach basketball. And that was the biggest issue, too. Like football, it's very like. It's 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 tricky because like you know if you one person mess up the play the play the play shot you know what I mean so like you know if you don't do your assignment you're screwed um and um, the hardest thing was getting kids to block you know what I mean because nobody wants to block everybody nobody wants, everybody, everybody wants, wants to, to yeah everybody wants to score a touchdown do the stanky leg or do some dance <laughs> and then like you know, you know what I mean and like there's only one football you know what I mean so and like I know that sounds like the cliche thing like you know like but um but it's it's true so getting kids to, to really buy into blocking was tough um and then getting them to like tackle properly there's a big emphasis on concussions rightfully so um but like that was really tough to like get them to like keep their head up and you know tackle the proper way was really really tricky like um, said, yeah, everybody and, wants to go for the big hit or, exactly or every defensive yeah. back wants to go for the interception and not yeah. cover the guy <laughs> The worst is I don't know. I mean, so there's my eagle bias comes in, but if you see LaShawn McCoy carry the football, like <laughs> yeah. it's the most frustrating thing. It's out there like a loaf of bread, and I'm just like <laughs> that ball high and tight, and it just drives me nuts. Or the quarterback with one hand on the ball. That's, yeah, I was gonna say you guys had the worst ball security ever when Michael Vick oh, and terrible. LaShawn McCoy were tagging together. <laughs> like they're just like running around, like all right, whoever touches it gets it. You just gotta oh, catch Michael me Vick first. would drive me nuts with that. He would just have it out here, like I, you, you can't see it, like. But I'd be like the worst. Like put the ball in your. Tuck the ball and run. Tuck the ball and run. He ran with the ball oh. like he was like trying to cross someone up in the NBA. Right. Like, yeah. He would just be like, oh, which way is it going? Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so that was definitely frustrating. And, uh, and yeah, so it, it was tough. Or, or And just to wrap up and tackle, like little basic things for sure. The, the boring stuff, right? The stuff that the fundamentals that really – I think uh, someone referenced that about baseball too. Like those things are so important, but like it, they're so hard to instill because – The stuff you, I think, you don't see on ESPN exactly you don't see those those things that really make a difference that uh that that really that you know that you have to have before you can launch 30 foot three pointers you know what i mean so the the uh the one year i played football i got really into blocking because i learned pretty quick i didn't like getting hit (laughs) learned that in like the first day (laughs) like all right i'll just block now (laughs) it's kind of safe it's not fun yeah and you know that's the thing like it's and you know you you get those i learned too quickly like there's a tendency to kind of just put like the kids you don't know, like the big kids just on the line. But some of my best blockers were the kids that were like, not necessarily the biggest, but just were tough and and just had a desire to put their nose in there. You know, I think my left tackle was like 140, but like just was Nat was just like a tough as nails kid. He did like a little jujitsu. So he had good hand fighting skills. And it was like, that was a good learning experience for me. I was like, all right, like, you know, let's just go with it. (laughs) This guy's twice my size, but nothing a quick throat jab. (laughs) Little kung fu kick action, you know. <laughs> That's not legal, but go for it. Coach, coach I'm going to need metal cleats for this guy. <laughs> was yeah. that Water Boy where he does the drop kick and he yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Hey, if they don't see it. So I, I'm, I apologize. If you, uh, I apologize if you said this. I, I had a couple work emails I was responding to. Did uh, now the four kids that are in the book? Um, I'm assuming uh, because you said there's one of them was a Caucasian kid, and then you have yep. a, a, I'm assuming African and Latino, African American and Latino. Um, what positions were these kids that they played? I'm just curious. Like, yeah. If, unless so, it, like again, anything we ask, if it's like diving too far into like, oh, you no. know, like I don't it want did. you to like do a 30 minute TED talk on your book and then whoever's <laughs> listening doesn't have to go by. Like, oh, that was cool. I guess I'll have to read that now. I'm working that line too. Of like, how much do I divulge? We're like, so yeah. I, I, but no, no, that, that's a great question. So yeah, um, the, the skill players essentially. So 
Um, uh, you know, Lito was a running back. Uh, Terrell was a quarterback. Freddie was like backup quarterback, tight end, and and, and Vinny was a wide receiver. Um, and but but a lot of my kids played both ways. So um, you know, uh, corner, safety, linebacker, um, things like that. So uh, the best kids rarely got off the field, you know, just cause like, you know, you could, you could stick some kids out there, but like you essentially like you don't want to get anybody hurt. And like, especially like offensive line, you got like, you want to make sure you guys are protected and stuff like that. So yeah, those kids play predominant roles and they were easier to write about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's harder to write about like, what a great block from, you know, you could do that right. stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> Good pancake. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> in Middletown, our high school quarterback was also our starting middle linebacker. Well, oh no way! Okay, yeah. he was just, he was both Devin Carrillo. I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows the name. I mean, <laughs> well, find no. him on Instagram. Well, no, I, I don't know because like we're all around the same age. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how much. I, I don't know how old are you if you, if you feel like sharing. James? Yeah, I'm thirty two. Oh, yeah, so you're, I mean, you're in the ballpark okay. there. So yeah. I mean, Devin Carrillo was like a big deal in Connecticut because he was he was an all state quarterback. He was an all state linebacker, but then he was as good as he was at football. He was like almost like Olympic bound wrestling. And he got he got a full scholarship to be a wrestler and a quarterback at Wesleyan, and Damn. and and he was like top. I mean, like like if I like I mean I, this doesn't mean anything to you, James. Sorry, but like if if Chris and Brian were here, like if I said that name, they'd know exactly who they'd make it. They'd be like that. Oh, he's a big deal. You know what I mean? Like they know who that kid is. I just didn't know if anybody had ever heard his name. I mean, he's the top salesman at IKEA now. So <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, he's actually the assistant wrestling coach for the uh, men's Olympic team. Same thing. Oh wow! Same, <laughs> Same thing. thing. <laughs> who, who was that safety that was born in Connecticut? Played for the Lions. My brother ran into. Yeah, um, Clover Quinn. No. Same team though. Spavet. You said Lions. Yeah. Was it, yeah. Was it a Spavet? Right? Middletown. Yeah. Are you talking about the Xavier kid? No, he went. No, that was that was the tight end for the Giants. That was the Xavier. Will tie. Will tie. He, oh. he ended up going to Iowa. But he was a UConn kid. He was a safety. Was it Spavet? Not UConn, but yeah. he was a Connecticut guy. Yeah, I, I already said it. I, I know. I was just reiterating, uh, <laughs> making it clear. Yeah, Connecticut represent. Uh, we, don't, we don't get many. <laughs> uh, Massey, you've been awfully quiet over there. Anything you'd like to divulge or uh, questions? No, ask, you guys have actually ask, been him his, ask him his take on Chris Gibbons. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not. Big Cortland Finnegan fan. I heard. <laughs> uh. Can I ask you about the po- about the show? So, you, are you guys know each other from like like from 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 like school for growing up, or is this just kind of through, through work? How how did we this all look? know each other through Kendall, unfortunately? <laughs> well, so so me, Kendall, and Kyle all went to high school together. Yeah, okay. and then Kendall, Kyle Paul, and, Ke- and Massey went to college together. Yeah, Kyle and Kendall are only friends because Kyle felt bad for Kendall because he was wearing a Steelers jumpsuit to school. <laughs> I thought it looked pretty cool, but I guess, I guess not. Yeah, you know you didn't when Kyle was like, wow, I feel bad for him. <laughs> I didn't say that. He just wanted my clothes. That's what I, <laughs> he, yeah, so he, he wanted the joke. No, they, so- they went to high school together. Then me and Mass were roommates, and Kendall lived down the hall. And then much, much to Mike Mock and Kyle's dismay, Kendall introduced us to, to their friend group. And now they're stuck with us. Right, we just love it. sports and drinking a whole lot. I have one question for you. <laughs> if that's okay. No, it's not. Right. Why do you always gotta be so like polite to everybody but us? Yeah, I don't right? like you guys. Like, but, but like, if it was like us, we're like, "Hey, Kyle," it was like, "No, shut up." The Phillies are on. <laughs> One question for you: Has there ever been like a project that you were excited to take on, like a kid that was like so raw, but like oh, you yeah. something <laughs> you saw something in him? Yeah, we had a kid that was. Um, I'm gonna butcher the size, but six at least six three, six four, perhaps two hundred and. 
230, 240. I mean, in middle school? school? Holy shit. Just watching the Little League World Series, right? Yeah, so, like, obviously, and, like, he, and, like, obviously, I would have him, like, lead our team on the field. We would go to Stanford for games. He'd be, like, the first one on there and, like, just power everyone. And people were like, there's no way this kid's in seven. He was in seventh grade weighing in in his ass. So, like, you know, so I'll never forget, he comes into school the first day. And he's in seventh grade to transfer from our school to our school. And I look at this kid, I just go, please God, play football. And I just, like, <laughs> I just gave him the paper instantly. And um, you know, he was he was he's like, I like basketball. I was like, Oh yeah, I coach basketball too. We'll, we'll be all set. And um he, he was he was so raw. And, and the problem was he just didn't have that killer instinct. You know, like he just didn't have it. You know what I mean? And that's like something you can kind of like try to get out of somebody. You know, you can't teach size, it's just like you can't teach speed. But you also can't really, I think, teach that killer instinct. And, and like, I'm trying to get him going, but luckily he's just massive, and he just was, you know, just had that factor. Just he took up space, and he was, he was just, he did his job. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> I need to snap the ball. I need to snap it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, no, that was that was one, and and um, you know, I unfortunately with our season, we didn't have a ton of time to really like, you know, work out the, the kinks. You know, I, mean, I hate to say it, but like, you almost like. The, the athletes you just let them go and um we didn't have a lot of time to go over like like start to finish like you had to kind of especially basketball like if like when i coach basketball like you just had to have ability because we, we were playing some really tough kids we have kids dunking in our league you know that was the, so the skill set was pretty high you know um but yeah oh, so that, that was one i'll never forget for sure it kind of hurts me to know that there's middle schoolers that are bigger than i am well dude yeah. think about it you watch the literally world series right and you're like every year, Team Saudi Arabia has like a kid that's like seven foot three. And you're like, what the fuck is this kid? Doing? <laughs> like, I'm sure we've all seen it. Who's like, next? Uh, you made the comment that like we don't get many, but I'm looking at this list and like we might not get many, but we get good ones. <laughs> Bruce Jenner's from Newtown. Caitlin. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Steve Young's from Greenwich. Hmm. Calvin Murphy's from Norwalk. He's an NBA Hall of Famer. Um. Springer, yeah. This guy, Chris Drury, you know him? Yeah, won the League World Series. <laughs> yeah, he won the Little League World Series and was also NHL Rookie of the Year. Yeah, from Trumbull, but not to not to my hometown. So just want to throw Is that. Is he out. a Hall of Famer? <laughs> but Floyd Little, Bobby V, mm-hmm. uh, Drake Greeny, Brian Leach, Jeff Bagwell, uh, Mo Vaughn, Marcus Camby. You know, some some pretty decent names on here. Mm. Hey, so when they get there, they're good. Listen, Connecticut, we, we like to, you know, take a good wine, you know. We uh... Andre Drummond. <laughs> Andre Drummond's from Connecticut? Yeah. I blocked Andre Drummond in middle school. Get on my level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dr- Drummond, uh, yeah, he, didn't, he went to Middletown, right? Middletown, yeah, we, Middletown played, we, played, we played basketball from age seven all the way up and through high school, and then we had to play against him. Wow. And that's, when, that's when he learned how to dunk, and I didn't like playing against him. He was always very tall, but like um, from my memory of it, you know, I hope, I hope this starts a Twitter beef somehow. <laughs> Man, like, hit him up. But uh, from my memory, so like, we used to do this thing where like, like people would like jump off other people's backs to dunk mm-hmm. in warm-ups before coach would come out. And Andre Drummond, up until that last part of the eighth grade season, he was 6'4 and still needed that. Like, he just didn't have the muscle. He was very lanky. Mm-hmm. He was long, but he doesn't have, he couldn't dunk at 6'4. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like, everybody in our, in our eighth grade basketball team could touch rim, but he couldn't dunk. I mean, you know, and then he went to high school. He only went to a prep school because his height. 
you know, deterred, or uh, not deterred, but lured some people. Yep. And then, uh, you know, all class weight programs, uh, you know, weightlifting regimens. And uh, he <laughs> and got real go. big, real fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then his, grew another foot. His one year at UConn, I remember that was, he, he looked apart. And obviously, he wasn't, wasn't fantastic at UConn, but then he, his he was pretty awful at UConn. The whole UConn team was buns. Yeah. He didn't start Did becoming go, good until like the third year. Huh? Were you guys UConn alum or no? I'm just trying to get. No, 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 no. We all went to shit schools. <laughs> yes, sir. We yes. went to we went to the school a couple miles uh, yeah, south of there. Went, three of us went to Eastern, and one of us went to okay. Albertus Magnus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a Southern grad, so I, I, I state school represent. Ah, oh, there we go. Here we go. CSU. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Albertus alum. Hey, but you had sex at Albertus once. <laughs> what? What? Guaranteed. <laughs> all of the mahos. Who? All of them. I never went to the Albertus. Albertus. I was like, I don't know what you're like. Like, so why did he have sex in Alberta? So he far? definitely did, guaranteed. Did you or did you not? <laughs> just put yeah, him on just a put like blast. <laughs> Reading my next bio, defeated part two, the Kyle Soul story. <laughs> he didn't deny it. <laughs> don't put people on blast. Like he that, didn't though. deny it. Who were you asking to? I tell you what, though, Andre Drummond used to come to Eastern and run some train. <laughs> I'm not shocked by that. I'm sure he did pretty well. Oh, <laughs> a lot of UConn guys, athletes came to Eastern and ran because because Eastern was all the, the it was all the girls that came from school uh, parents that had money but were too dumb to get to UConn. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what it was. Where were those girls for me when I went to, when I went visiting Eastern <laughs> UConn? See, he didn't. No, they deny. were the smart ones were at UConn. The dumb ones were at Eastern. Oh. They were prob they, they were probably behind closed door with UConn athletes. Yeah, yeah, it's. Good time. I, I I didn't go to UConn, but obviously, like Southern, like, I don't know how Eastern was, but Southern was like a like a classic like commuter school, right? So like the weekends, you had to kind of make your own fun. So yeah, that's exactly how Eastern yeah. is. I mean, and Eastern's you know it's a, a tenth of the size, and Southern's D one. So I mean, right. you guys can get pretty wild at sporting events. We're still. I D- thought they were D two. No, I think it's D two. I think it is D two. It used to be D one, wasn't it? Maybe maybe Central is D one. I thought you had to be D one for everything or nothing. No. Oh. I know so yeah. Southern used to be D one hockey. I know that. But like I know like there's like D one the there's like D one baseball school, but they're like D two or D three for everything else. Yeah, all the Midwestern football programs. Which makes no goddamn sense. Because <laughs> it's all on campus size. Uh so we're actually James, we're coming up on a break, but uh why don't you tell us um social media where to where to get your book? I bought your all, book. All all nine yards. Oh. So, gotta give the the rundown. Everything. Love it. Yeah, did thank the, you. Yeah, so, buy yeah, it yeah. now, swipe on Amazon. Yeah, buy it now. You'll you, I just uh, the easiest way is if you just type in "defeated uh, James Wojtek" on Amazon. Um, there is an audiobook coming out soon. The guy is a fantastic voice, uh, Morgan Freeman esque. Not quite that nice, but very close. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, until he said "esque," I was like, "Wow, that's, <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's a good get." I linked Morgan Freeman. I pulled some strings. No, James Earl really. Jones. <laughs> But very, very deep, soothing voice, way better than mine. Uh, and he, so he, he uh, did a great job. So that should be out soon. Um, and uh, actually, I wrote, I wrote a kid's book. Um, that won't, that won't be out any in the near future. But uh, it's called Willie the Weasel. I have a daughter, two year old Nora. She's a little rascal, and um, I wanted to always write something for her to share. So that's in the process of illustrated and, and being drawn up and everything like that. But yeah, if you guys are interested or anybody that's listening to this or anybody, um, James Wojtek defeated, uh, it's a good, easy read. You know, it's, 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 it's for anybody, you know, and, uh, would love for anybody to check it out. Thank you so much for the opportunity guys to come on. Really yeah, no, yeah, this, you. this was great. Uh, well, you know, yeah. be in touch with me. We'll definitely have you on again soon. Um, you know, and 
Go, go, go Eagles, I guess. No, you know? no don't do that. <laughs> don't you're, do that. You're a Steelers fan. Listen, that's what you do. You know? You're a Steelers well, fan. It's, it, give me – I'll end by okay. saying not this division. year, but next year. I, I like the direction things are going. I was a little – went through a bad phase with last year. It was rough, but I, I kind of like where we're headed. Good draft. Uh, just needed a, new, need a new, new GM. That's, I needed probably just, just – let's just see. How Welcome to the club, bud. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we didn't really run down. So, oh yeah, Kendall and Kyle are Steelers fans. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Mike Mox an Eagles fan. Oh, sorry, no, Cowboys no, fan. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> oh, Cowboys. No, he's a Giants fan. I'm a Chicago. Summer. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. And Massey was a very short-lived uh, Saints fan, then Rams fan. <laughs> Never gonna live that down. Never. <laughs> you got your. I know. I knew you guys said you would take a break, but just real quick, Bears got a good quarterback. How do you feel about that? You think we're headed? You think you're headed somewhere? Last time they traded up to get a quarterback, they made sure that he'd never be good at professional football. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. You like football? Give me your thoughts. Quick. Are you? Are that going to ruin segment? No, so you know, the thing. Uh, so here's my thing on on fields. The, the 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 blessing and curse about it is, you know. A lot of people think that. I mean, there's a lot of people that thought that that think that Fields might be the best quarterback to come out of this draft, mm. long term. Like you know, I've seen stuff yep. about that even before they took him, and right. a lot of people had him as number two. You know, the Jets just had their eyes set on a guy, the 49ers. So he he fell. Um, I, I don't know because like the the blessing is that you know it looks like the Bears finally for the first time ever got it right draft wise. The 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 negative is that if they didn't. You give up a lot of picks. No, it's not. The the picks thing doesn't matter. Picks are irrelevant. Because picks and salary cap don't matter in the NFL. They're all made up. (laughs) Um, It's all a bunch of crap. You can just, you can buy more picks. They're printing money in the... (laughs) Buy more picks. The the McCaskies have so much fucking money that it doesn't matter. Salary cap doesn't matter to them. My problem is, is that as of right now, and I'm sure it will change, but the plan is that Andy Dalton still plans to, will plan starter and Fields will sit for a while. If that, in fact, does happen and they go that Mahomes-Alex Smith route where Fields comes in like the last two games, even if the Bears go, which is such an ugly thing to say, 7-10, and 10, I hate mm. that that can be a fucking thing now, but they, they, <laughs> they go 7-10 and 10, or even 6-11, and 11, Nagy and Pace are back guaranteed for another year. They will, it doesn't, the Bears could go 0-17, and, and they will, as long as Fields doesn't start the majority of the games, they will be back because how do you fire them without seeing what they with what they did come through? As a Giants fan, the Owen seventeen thing would be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, and I hope Deshaun Jackson <laughs> returns more punts against you. <laughs> the Christmas I, game is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, honestly, I watch that more than Home Alone on Christmas. <laughs> I like the Bears so, and I love it when they do it to the theme of Titanic. <laughs> It pains me to say this. I think Giants will have a good year. I like I like the way they drafted. I like the free agency moves. It's all on Jones. I, we have a couple of Giant fans out there, so I can hear about that. But Jones, I think, if he has a big year, but that's a big if, obviously. So. Oh yeah. Hey, you know, anything north of five hundred would be cool. <laughs> really, anywhere near it. I like the high hopes. You know? <laughs> as long as, jo- as, long so as, as, long as Daniel Jones doesn't fumble to brick hands Ingram, you're good. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to get traded during the draft. I didn't. He has a lot of talent. Just needs to learn how to catch. Yeah, just yeah. the most important part yeah. of football for his here, position. Kyle, let me let me let me just make a point here. I got though. a tight end that's just like that. All right, but Calm again, down. if you're no, in the like, NFL, you mean it's like, it's like he's a good kicker. He's just got to learn how to aim. <laughs> if you're in the NFL as a receiving position, you should already know how to catch. The worst part is, is that like he did know how to catch his rookie year. Yeah, and then stopped pretty well. Stopped catching. Was catching pretty well. Guy couldn't catch a cold. It was horrible. <laughs> that's from the Mighty Ducks. 
<laughs> bad movie. Remember, the Giants were a bad team. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of making my way through, through through our fandom. So let me, let me finish with the Steelers. Big Ben, one more year. How we, how we, like, how we feeling, like, optimistic? Just kind of, or, or any, any thoughts? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll see a very similar offense as yeah. we did this past year. No, if, I, he can, if he can stand up, the Steelers are a playoff team, in my opinion. If he can, if he can stay standing, the, the, I know he's got a quick release, but I mean, there, there's a lot of question marks with the draft that they had, and I understand that 100. percent They didn't go offensive line and whatever, but they're they were focused on running the football, and they made that pretty evident by drafting the guy that they wanted. Yep. Yeah, I think it was just, it was just a very typical uh, Steelers draft. It just seemed like you know they, they got a linebacker in there somewhere. I think two they, of them. They too. Yeah. <laughs> So you didn't get one in the first round, so you doubled down. That's right. And did the Rams even pick this year? <laughs> no. I was say, did the Rams have picks this year? <laughs> no. All the next three years, Rams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tune in 2027 when the Rams picked their first overall in the last 17 years. Was, uh, I can't wait for the real plot twist in 2025 when they trade three first-round picks for Jared Goff. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't oh, surprise man. me. I love my franchise. No, you don't. <laughs> You don't love him at all. <laughs> I like the no comment oh, mess. Yeah. Because <laughs> no matter what I say, I'm going to get rebuked. Yeah. Well, you talk shit about them more than anybody else. Did so. he say, did he That's say not true. Rebuke? Paul talks much more shit about the Bears than I do about the Rams. But I know Paul loves the Bears. No, he doesn't. He, no, he hates does. The Bears. Max, you want to know why you're losing that. this argument? Because I watched you say the Rams are going to lose the Super Bowl the day before the Super Bowl. And I was right. <laughs> Irrelevant. Have I don't, optimism. I don't know if that's the right thing to be excited about in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> I won that. <laughs> like unless you like unless you like took a bet on them not scoring a touchdown or something like that, then like yeah, cool, be happy about it, I guess. But that kind of like just cements shitty fandom even more. <laughs> nope, sorry. I kind of like pinky dabbed it. All right, well, James, thank you so much. Uh, thank you guys. I really appreciate the time. Thank fly, you so much. fly. <laughs> uh, Blah. I will send you the audio uh, for, for this, and uh, we'll just let me know anytime you want to come back. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your show. Really, really appreciate the time. Nice yeah, to meet you guys. You. Nice to meet you. Have Take a good care. Night. All right, bye now. Take care. How do you know him? He, he said it when he started the show. Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Oh, my uh, God. Well, well, Kyle <laughs> figures it out. We'll, come, we'll go on a break, and then when we come back, we'll do a very quick Riddler's rankings and then dive into draft grades. Home of the Peter Pino Show. Peter Pino Show. PPRN Radio. Home of getting sports with drunk on Monday nights. PPRN Radio. Damn, where are we? PPRN Radio. Always on, sometimes off. PPRNRadio.net. It's the politically incorrect show. show. Show left, right. Bring it. Nobody's off limits on PPRNRadio.net. Our shows have more balls than Chuck E. Cheese's ball pits. PPRNRadio.net. And now, back to getting sports with drunk on the PPRN Radio Network. Welcome back, assholes. Mass, what the fuck does that even mean? Uh... Like, like, what, what do you mean by type? Uh, I just texted <laughs> you. <laughs> like, uh, 
Well, that doesn't make it any clearer. I know what those. I, I know what shoes are. Yes, I know their footwear. What are you talking like boat shoes, sneakers? Or are you talking about brands? Oh, okay. All right. So, Matt's types. giving me my Riddler's rankings for types of shoes. Can we try to get into these? Yeah, we could do these. Man, Kendall's the kid that reminds the teacher to collect the homework. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> fucking for real. <laughs> not not only collect it, he reminded her to assign it the night before. Right. Mass, when you oh, come is there back, no homework, teach? Mass, when you come back, there'll be a, a nip of 99 mystery flavor for you. Nice. So, presumably, we're all going to have a different one? I don't know. They all came out of the same sleeve, so they're probably all going to do feet. Feet. Did you scratch and sniff? Oh, I didn't. Kyle. Doesn't smell good. Kyle. Yeah. We're doing our net. This is a uh, Truck E. Cheese bathroom. I'm probably only going to drink about half. Oh, come on. Let it rip. No, do the whole thing, man. You can ah, do it. Mine smells like the same thing as it did before. Mine smells like blueberry. Whatever I had before was not a real thing. <laughs> What's your smell like? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. you got to figure out what the flavor is. I'm getting like a, a raspberry. I get like a, a blue raspberry type of I thing. I get oranges again. Oranges? Yeah. Oh, blue orange. That's my favorite flavor. <laughs> it's like blue raspberry. Blue raspberry? Really? I, I think, think so. All right. Dink them and sink them. Yep. Dink. Wrong plate. Not very good. Oh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Leaves your tongue look kind of hairy. <laughs> <laughs> My tongue is hot. Wish I had water. Yeah, that was more syrupy than expected. Gin it is. Blue raspberry for sure. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Well, I'm glad we did it though. I, I don't Definitely remember. blue raspberry. Yeah, and not a good kind. No, like not you, like a Jolly Rancher one. No, like a UV blue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the last time I drank that, I threw up in my own basement. Last time, <laughs> last time I drank that, I threw up in between Pat's couch cushions. Last <laughs> time I drank that, I don't remember. Probably boys to men were involved. A good Same night at Pat's house, so yeah, probably. <laughs> um, you weren't there that night, though. No, not that night. All right, so my top five. To, like, should... Is this personal preference, like to wear or like mask? The scratch and sniff should be utilized would, on more things. I would say yeah. that Riddler's Rankings are always supposed to be personal preference. Oh. But to wear or for like looks? Um, I'll let you be the judge of that. All right, I'm going to go with wear then. Okay. Crocs, 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 Crocs. <laughs> no, Crocs, Crocs, Crotch, Crocs, Crocs. Um, all right, number five. Real dark horse one, and I don't own a pair of these anymore. I used to a long time ago. It's the only type of sandal I'll wear are Birkenstocks. I like I those. Those are. What are those? Those are like the sandal that has like the two leather straps with a buckle on them. Okay. They used like they they became like some. Influencer wore oh, them, those, okay. and then they became a hundred dollars a pair. They used to be like twenty dollars a pair of Clark's. Now they're like fucking, <laughs> you know, Mickey Finn's carries them. Um, Mickey Finn's uh, number four is gonna be the uh, like, not like the the fully like uh, like fur inside, but just like the very like lightly like padded inside like a uh, moccasin slipper. Okay. Uh, number f- number four is the uh, the Snecker. That was number three. Oh, sorry. Number three is the Snecker, the high top high top sneaker, for sure. 
number two, good pair of work boots. Good pair of work boots, very stable. You get a lot done in them, and they're they comfy. Became, they became my disc golf boots. Yep. And then number one, we all know, the boat shoe. The boat shoe. The boat shoe. I love the boat shoe so much. The easy. The boat shoe for a long time. Boat shoes were like they fell into that category of shoe, and they they're like Air Force Ones, where I could I never would wear them because the thing with for me like I I have very big feet, especially for somebody my size, uh, size thirteen to fourteen shoe. So for me, like when you buy a high top shoe or like a work boot or something like that. It's got height to it. It comes up over the ball of your ankle. Mm-hmm. So the height versus the length makes it look like a normal s- scaled shoe. But like Air Force Ones, boat shoes, it doesn't matter if I'm wearing boat shoes or if a four-year-old is wearing boat shoes. The height is pretty much the same. It's just 45 inches longer and looks like a clown shoe. <laughs> so I never, that's why I never wore Air Force Ones because they looked ridiculous. Um, but then I, I got a pair of boat shoes one year as a gift and fell in love. And now I wear them pretty much all the time. <laughs> I have seven pairs of boat shoes. I have all different occasion boat shoes. Work boat shoes. Nice dress up boat shoes. Lounging boat shoes. Boat boat shoes? No, no. I fucking knew he was going to say it. Too. I, it was a foregone conclusion. I'll tell you what, that nip was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't uh, much care for it. We got some more on deck, though. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Souls, take it away. Oh, all right. Your segment, man. So, I like you real quick here, shuffling through the backside of <laughs> stickers. So, this year, again, we did our own NFL. You made it sound so miserable. This year again. Yeah. Once again. Oh, uh, did we do our tally of how many we got right? Yeah, uh, it was zero. One. Yeah, oh, sorry. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I got mine right. What? Mac Jones. Who? Najee Harris was right. No, mocked an asshole. No. That was an easy pick. We weren't going for it to be right, though. If we were going for it to be right, I would have picked Zach Wilson at two because the Jets said, hey, we're taking Zach Wilson. <laughs> I picked, I'd pick Justin Fields, right? I yeah. Think so. Yeah, because everything I saw said that Justin Fields was, at, at worst, the second-best quarterback in the draft. So, And also, I think that the Steelers should have taken the guy the Giants took in the second round. So, suck on that. Bitch. No. Anyway, so we, we did our own mock draft. So we got two right. We did. Team and position. So this year, so we, we did our grades. Um, I gave them out. Mass, who did you pick for the Bears? I forgot. Uh, uh, Chicago Bears was Kadarius Tony. Nice. What? Well, he's a giant. Oh, was that your second <laughs> round pick? No, it was our first round pick. Oh, the receiver? Yeah. Oh. Probably could have been our second round pick. All right, we have three out of four right so far in our draft. Who's the third? Tell you what, the Falcons didn't trade Falcons. down three times, so oh, <laughs> there's oh that. Oh no, Carolina Panthers actually traded up for Kyle Pitts in our draft, so never mind. Did he go in the right spot? Did he go fourth? He went four. Yeah. Ah, picking in the right spot is way harder <laughs> than picking the right team. Kyle, keep going. Sorry. We all we all did our grades, and then. We're going to find out. Um, I kind of did it randomly. I just went through the division and gave it everyone one for the most part. So you you, you signed us each of our teams, and now we're going to kind of go through all their picks through the draft and, like you said, kind of give them a letter grade on how we think they did uh, a 
assessing their needs in the draft. Correct. Now, how do you guys want to do this? Um, By division? Just just make a decision and let's go. Yeah, we can do it by division. All right, we'll start in the NFC. We always start in the AFC. Okay, NFC. We'll, we'll start with the NFC East. East. I don't know what teams I have, so you're going to just have to shout me out when I have my when it's time to go. I don't know the teams you have. I, have I can tell you. Here, but I, didn't. I got it right I here. wrote grades with picks, but didn't write the team, and I don't give a fuck enough about the draft to remember who draft to do. <laughs> so... And we don't, we're not going to say, like, every single player. I think just to... Fucking you know, speak for yourself. I, then we'll say. I, I got I got him. You can go fair. through him. Kyle, what fair. division are we on? NFC East. NFC East. All right, Kyle, do the Redskins. What? No. I will go second. All right. Uh, Kendall, do the Eagles. Okay, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they had the 10th overall pick in the draft, uh, selecting Devonta Smith. Uh, wide receiver from Alabama. It's, it's Demontis Savonis. <laughs> uh, you know, I had that written down. I just uh, I read it wrong. Fucking spare parts, but <laughs> yeah. uh, so the Eagles uh, are going in. You know, a lot a lot of change to occur uh, going in to the non Carson Wentz era there in Philadelphia. Uh, need at receiver was there for sure. Um, so here's here's the thing. There's a long way to go for Philadelphia. It's not not a quick fix. Um, they need they definitely need an offensive line, uh, which was uh, accomplished in the second round by getting Landon Dickerson. Um, it's just he's a guy he, he was injured. Uh, I guess he tore tore his ACL, um, which uh, I guess offensive line. You know, it, it's the type of thing that yes, you're in the trenches, and you know, yeah, you're getting hit a lot, but. I don't know if there's a lot of repeat offenders uh, for, for that injury. I think more so on the defensive line side of the ball. I think you're more apt to have the injury. I don't know for sure. I'm just kind of spitballing. Um, but the Eagles, they, they, they address need. There's a lot, a lot of things they needed. Uh, defense, they went out. They, they got a defensive end in Milton Williams, uh, cornerback in uh, Zach McPherson. Um, more defensive line, they got uh, Marlon Tutuola. Yeah, pretty much. Ice team from SVU. And uh, Taron Jackson. Uh, Eagles are in a, a tough spot. We always say every year that that division is always up for grabs. Uh, I, I think they, they addressed some of their needs. It was a very average draft for them. I don't think they really made any big splashes. Uh, I, I will give them a, a B-. minus. right, so I'll go with the Washington football team. In the first round, they picked Jamin Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky. That pick was more of a reach, in my opinion. I feel like they could have sat there in the second round and picked him. But they got their guy. I, I like their second-round pick more than their first-round pick. It's an offensive tackle, uh, Samuel Cosme. And then in the third round, they picked Benjamin St. Juice out of Minnesota. Washington went into the – a lot of people thought Washington was going to go get one of those quarterbacks. They stayed put. Um, if that means they're very happy with Taylor Henneke and Ryan Fitzpatrick, or they're more comfortable going after somebody next year. Um, they got the linebacker cause Ryan Kerrigan's a free agent still. Um, but he's on the older side anyways. They need offensive line help. So I love their second round pick. 
and cornerback in the third round, Benjamin St. Juice. Their defense was actually very surprising last year. Um, they were they were very good. Their the front seven's very good. They they addressed the cornerback need in the in the third round. And then they picked a tight end in the fourth round. Tight ends are always a crapshoot in the draft anyways. You never they could be ranked highly and not play well, or they could be ranked lowly and play very well. Mixed bag. Yeah. I gave him a C plus. I don't think their draft is anything <laughs> special. I have to share this. Can I read to you all time fantasy football? I mean, this is based off whatever, you know, because everyone always is like, oh, how do they score that many points? Because everyone does fantasy football rankings differently. So this is based off like average best games by a quarterback fantasy football points total in history. Mm-hmm. Number one was Michael Vick as an Eagle with 49.3 points, 20 of 28, 333 yards, four touchdowns, 80 rushing yards, two touchdowns. I won't do stats for everything. Uh, Mark Rippin. Or Ripon, Ripon, Ripon. I thought it was Ripian. Ripian, uh, Peyton Manning. That was his seven touchdown game. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, four oh eight, four touchdowns, thirty six rush, two touchdowns. Nick Foles, four oh six and seven touchdowns. At six is Ben with five hundred and twenty two and six touchdowns. We were at that game. Seven was Drew Brees, five oh five and seven touchdowns. Eight was Randall Cunningham. 240 and four touchdowns with a rushing touchdown. Give me the Trubisky. 124. Number nine is Aaron Rodgers, and number 10 is Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> 354 yards, six touchdowns, 53 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. Against Tampa Bay, was it not? Yeah. I remember that game. We were at Tampa the game. Did that. Is that the one? Because <clears throat> we, we weren't at the game. Remember he put up like 96 fantasy points? See, I don't remember. Hold there was like on three weeks a in a row. Really. second. When the mm-hmm. hell did Eve Marie come back to WWE? I don't know. Well, she just posted a photo shoot that they released on Raw, and you need to watch it with your pants off. <laughs> uh, quick break. <laughs> Sign uh, me up. Leather uh, dress. Who's up next? Uh, the Either Cowboys. Paul. I don't even know what team I have. You have the Giants. <laughs> nice. You said Cowboys. I. You just said Cowboys. Okay, who has the Cowboys? Matt. I do. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, 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 hey. I was being Canadian. So, the Dallas Cowboys got one of my favorite players in Micah Parsons, number 12 overall, uh, with drafting back in a very funny segment that screwed over one divisional opponent by helping another divisional opponent. Uh, I personally think that that makes them the best linebacking core in the NFL if everybody is healthy. With Micah Parsons, Jalen Smith, and Leighton Van Der Esch. Well, it's funny. Mock and I were talking. The, the, the Cowboys declined his fifth-year option. Hoping they, to get a contract done. Well, but but they... well, but He had one go, good year. He's only going into his he fourth did. year. They don't have to agree to his fifth-year option yet. Yes, they had to agree to it this year, I believe. Because they? they had till, like... It was, I think, yesterday at, like, four to, to extend it or not. Here's the thing. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. Hoping to get a contract done. I think it's more of, hey, let's see if you can stay healthy. Because yeah, if you can't, we're not keeping it. it. We did this with Sean Lee for a decade. We're not doing it with you. Um, following that, they had some of the more questionable uh, draft choices, I think. Um, their second... And all three of their third-round picks were considered breaches by most of the draft community. Um, 
Ozayo Gizawa was not even in the top 300 on a lot of people's boards. Uh, the same with Nishan Wright out of Oregon State. Uh, so it's really questionable what they decided to do there. Uh, that being said, I love their pickup of Jabriel Cox as a uh, backup for uh, Lane Vanderush if he can't stay healthy. Uh, their pick of Josh Ball out of Marshall, uh, well, not a flashy pick. Uh, he can play most of the spots on the offensive line, so if Lel Collins or Tyron Smith end up going down, he can offer a little bit of uh, depth to that position. Uh, they drafted for a lot of depth in this uh, they ended up spending six of their 11 picks on the defensive side of the ball in an attempt to fix that atrocious defense from last year. Uh, with their early picks being reaches and their later picks being kind of good bargains, I'm going to give them a C. I kind of like the wide receiver pick in the sixth round. Who? Uh, He's not going to play. The kid from Stanford. Yeah, he's a very big body receiver. He is. He's. I want to say six four. I think he's six four. Yeah, six four two twenty. Six thirteen. Uh, I think they picked him because he fell. Six four nine. And they were like, "All right, let's grab him." I don't think he. I don't think he fell that far. I think they grabbed him uh, at good value where he. (laughs) And also, Michael Gallup's kind of went up. Hey, hey, hey! You're right. Kendall, calm down over there. Rocky Road? <laughs> Shake your body like a tootsie roll? Nope. Not even Scoop! There it is. That was for Mark. Yeah, thanks. Drink some gin. Fly, fly, go fly. Drink some gin. So I had Deshaun Jackson's bitch, the New York Giants. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so the Giants, uh, just run through it real quick. Uh, Kadarius Tony, uh, wide receiver out of Florida in the first round. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, uh, edge out of Georgia in the second round. Aaron Robinson, corner out of UCF in the third. And then they went edge, running back, and corner with the rest of their day three picks. Um, so the Kadarius Tony pick, um, I thought it was intriguing. Um, basically, what that pick kind of said to me, uh, combined with what the Eagles did in their trade up and the Giants with their trade back in the Bears. We were all in on Devontae Smith. We were all in on thinking we had him, and then shit happened. So we did the right thing, in my opinion, by trading back, regrouping, and gaining some more assets for our next two years, this year and next year, uh, and figure out where we want to go. Um, I was very surprised when the pick came back around to 20 and they picked Kadarius Tony. Um, I wasn't really picturing them to be like receiver or nothing in the first round. Um and I'm kind of I was kind of surprised cuz when I saw the Eagles trade up, I thought the I thought that the Giants were going to take Parsons. Yeah. At, at 11. Um but I don't hate their trade back thing. Um I think it was a real I think it really shook up the whole first round um cuz Gettleman doesn't do that. He doesn't trade back. Um, he everybody talking shit before the draft. Yeah, so uh Tony, you know, he he's still learning how to play like the wide receiver role. Um so I I predict him to have some serious struggles in the NFL level. But he's going to be presumably the fourth option on day one. Uh, in my opinion, the third option by the end of the season. Um, I think he's going to outplay Shepard. 
Um, but he, he's joining what could could arguably be, depending on Daniel Jones and the offensive line, the most electrifying wide receiver class in the NFL, or most wide receiver group in the NFL this year, with Galladay, Slayton, and Shepard. Um, and then Ingram in there as well. Um, he's definitely kind of like uh, like the biggest like wow factor playmaker-wise in the, uh, the draft this year at the wide receiver position, being a, a, a tackle-breaking machine, um, you know, kind of like a Tariq Cohen at, at receiver, if you will. Um, Just an up-and-coming rapper. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he's, out, March 12th. I, I think his biggest strength at going to the Giants is that the, the out of the three big receivers they have, the most replaceable is Shepard. And Shepard plays the slot, and that's where Tony's going to play. Tony's going to do a lot of damage at the slot. I mean, I think Slayton is pretty much a lock in at one. Jones and Slayton have an undoubtable chemistry. Galladay, we'll see what happens, if, if, if it works out for him or not. But on paper, Shepard is the most replaceable out of the three, in my mind. Um, Ojolari... Uh, um, I think that was a great value pick for the Giants in the second round. I think he could have been a first-round pick. Um, he's a very advanced pass rusher. Um, good first step, good swim move. Um, and I think that it's a really good pick by the Giants because while the Giants weren't their usual selves um, last year because usually the past few years they've had a lot of trouble getting to the quarterback, they did do that last year, but it was – Heavily, and I think I think if I remember read this correctly, even beating the Rams, the majority of their quarterback pressures came from the inside, number one in the NFL, beating out St. Louis or LA. Um, so that'll be good to add an edge rusher that could that could get some damage done from the outside to really kind of make it a full fold system. Um, their secondary was really good going into the draft, so they didn't really need to waste a high pick on a on a corner, but they added Aaron Robinson and a UCF. Um, to be potentially like a slot guy. Um, he's a little bigger on the size, um, but it's another talented piece to add to that secondary. Uh, third round stuff, you know, it, it is what it is. We'll see what a lot of these guys do. They added another edge guy on the third day. Um, they brought in a, you know, potentially Saquon's backup running back. Um, if he can outperform, I don't know who your backup is now. Oh, it's Devonta Booker. Oh, okay, so if he can out- outperform the Suns shooting guard in training camp, <laughs> and um, then they I said re- the right name, right? Yeah, you did. But it was just, <laughs> and then I was they, like, they, wait a minute, they just added another defensive back, your special teams guy, um, in the the sixth round, in Rodarius Williams, who I think could potentially be their best day, day three guy. Um, he's, he has man to man potential. Um, uh, he's not. I, I think his ceiling is Champ Bailey. Realistically, I, I watched. I, I kind of like. When we do these, like you get coverage of first round, second round, third round guys all all from Super Bowl to now. So I kind of look at stuff from the third round, uh, fourth round, and on. This guy, I think he has a Champ Bailey ceiling. Um, not saying he'll reach it, but that because he's a patient cornerback who, who as of right now, is not very good with his hands. Hi, Ashley. Um, and, and isn't going to be a pick machine, but um. I think he could be a good man-to-man guy that, that is just patient and makes sure people don't beat him. Um, all in all, I mean, I think they did a really good job. I think their draft, uh, all the pieces that they got, would be a B plus. Um, because I, I just, I'm not in love with the Tony pick in the first round. Um, especially because I think that they could have gotten, had they not traded, some a better piece for their team. But the trades that they did do 
helped their team out with more capital this year, more capital next year, and it gave them the ability to regroup and not panic and make a bad pick, which we know Gettleman is very capable of doing. So it gave them the ability to make, you know, regroup, make a pick that they liked. You know, if Tony's their guy, that's their guy. So I, the B plus bumps up to an A minus because of of good draft day decisions. I, t- I don't think they were ever taken Smith. Mostly, I don't think that he was ever going to be there. But I, I think that they were still looking to accumulate the the draft capital. No, no I disagree. I think they were taking Smith because I don't. I mean, who who the fuck would have ever foreseen a Cowboys trade with the Eagles to jump up two picks? I think you guys were taking Smith all the way. Well, it was just funny. We kind of said this off the air, like. Of course, it would happen. The Giants <laughs> trade back and, and just and just get a receiver. I think they're right taking away. Smith the whole. I think the, I think the, I think they're very out on Shepard. I don't think he's since his rookie year. I don't think he's done anything to prove that he's worthy of being the number three on that team. Odd man out. I, I think he's got talent, but he, I mean he he, he hasn't made he hasn't taken that next step. You know, I mean he and his face injury. Uh, he he hasn't. I mean he's not even like. The Giants, in this offseason, the Giants didn't even consider him as the number two option. They went out and got the number two option. I, I, I don't know. I think I think the Shepherds replaceable. I don't think he's going to be with the Giants after his rookie deal's over. His rookie deal is over. Or after his contract is up. Because he, he already signed an extension. Well, after his contract's up. I don't, I don't think he's there. I, I think he's going to get out. He's definitely going to get outplayed by Slayton again. I think Galladay is going to look for a nice new fresh fit. And Slayton is going to, you know, it's going to be a Galladay's going to take the double team away from Slayton. Shepard doesn't do that. And Tony, you know, he's an he's a, he's a electrifying guy. He's going to be that type of guy that catches seven-yard passes and turns them into 20-yard gains. I could very easily see Shepard getting outplayed and being being moved on from very quickly. Did you give him a letter grade? You said A-? minus. A-, minus, uh, B plus for the picks, A- minus because of the draft day decisions. I think that rounds out the NFC East. See, Kyle, what would you like to? NFC North. The North. Any team you like to start with? Do I have a team in there? I'll start. Um, the Detroit. Oh, you do not. Um, we have they drafted offensive tackle Penny Sewell. Defensive lineman Levy, I can't say his name. From Washington. Defensive lineman Alum McNeil from North Carolina State. Corner from Syracuse. Ifatu uh, Melaswanu, a running back. Mont St. Brown. Derek Barnes and Jamar Jefferson. They took Penny Sewell because they, he dropped to them. People have said that he is going to be a future Hall of Famer, and by the by when the when he fell to him, you you uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video of the GM and the head coach just being absolutely ecstatic. <laughs> uh, um, I miss Brad Holmes. What? I thought. About- like, like romantically side about it. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, he was he was the reason why we got all the talent we did in the draft. Now that he's gone, um, I'm sad. The only thing the Lions could have done was draft a receiver early because you know the departure of Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. But 
They took guys that fit well with Dan Campbell. He's a very energetic coach. He wants to be physical. And those are the type of players that he took. I think Swell was the perfect fit. They need they need an offensive line. I give the Lions a B plus. The only thing the only thing I, I think they should have done was take a receiver a little bit earlier. That's fair. A lot of shakeups in Detroit. You know, Patricia gone and losing their their number one receiver there. It'll be a new new Detroit team in the well. Patricia should have been gone a while ago. Oh uh, no, no disagreement from this party. Um, <laughs> and you know the crazy part? I think he's already back in New England. Yeah, he's he's like some type of advisor or something. He's the assistant head coach. Oh, assistant to the coach. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Is that really? Is it? That was an office joke for you guys who uh, may yeah, not we be got privy. It. Thank you, thank you. Just wanted to say. You know what makes jokes really funny? Oh, the laughter. When you really explain them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right, the laughter. What makes that? <laughs> uh, what's going next? Uh, the uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I have the Minnesota Vikings. Did you almost say Milwaukee? I'm Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> the Bucks. Uh, so the Vikings uh, had a lot of, a lot of picks. A lot of stuff to play with there. Um, a team that's had a lot of ups and downs. Um now, they, they did make a draft day move, and I don't remember exactly what the trade was. I remember it happening, but I remember what the, the move was. I don't know, Massey, do you recall off the top of your head what the move was? Minnesota moved back. Probably with the Jets. With the Jets to the 22nd overall pick and ended up picking up Christian Derrissaw. Right. So, yes, so I, I have here the 23rd pick. 23rd um, pick. My bad. Uh, but, yeah, so they ended up taking uh, – Christian Darrisaw, offensive tackle, um, which, you know, no one's ever going to shake their head at an uh, offensive lineman. It's always a, a good pick. Uh, their next pick wasn't again until the third round where they selected uh, quarterback Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, um, which I think is a, a smart pick. Now, though, I, I am a Kirk Cousins believer. Um, but he, he's a guy who will win you games – and no more. He's a guy who's not going to take you to the next level. He will. He what does will... that even mean? He'll win you games, but no more? <laughs> so he'll win games for you. What else are you asking for from the I, quarterback? What, the, the point I'm making is he, he will never be the guy to, hey, let's make a deep playoff run. Uh, he, he will be, but he'll win games. He'll win you eight games. He'll win you nine games. Well, that's different than what you said. He'll, he'll put you in the plus win column. Uh, so basically... He, he's he's coming up. He's got two years left in his contract. Uh, he signed a, a pretty a pretty big deal, uh, but the Kellen Mond uh, draft kind of provides you some insurance. Uh, scouts have listed him as uh, a, a NFL ready quarterback. Um, what the fuck and- are you reading? <laughs> what are you reading? There's some notes I have. He is not an NFL ready quarterback. Kyle, I didn't realize you got to watch a lot of game footage of Kellen Mond. Watch a lot of Texas A&M football. No, you I didn't. didn't believe that. <laughs> oh my god, it's such bullshit all the time. All right. For what it's worth, though, he is right. He's not NFL ready. Matt, see, up, how many Mass. games did you watch of Texas A&M? None. Exactly. I watched... exactly. None. Yeah. You so didn't watch any. You took, for, you took a Bleacher Report article and you went with it. You know, I forgot all the scouting combines you guys sat in on. <laughs> so I watch like, your Jesus, screw up. I, I did catch some of the senior bowl. <laughs> no, you didn't. You were too busy closing. That he didn't play. The senior bowls on Saturday. You didn't watch it. Here's the deal. The point being is Kirk Cousins is not the answer. We know this. We know this. 
But Kellen Mond does provide a chance that if they decide to move on, or if you know Kirk Cousins gets Wait, hurt, or does real not. Real quick, does anybody know what channel the Senior Bowl's on? NFL Network, ABC Family. It's on NFL Network. The Senior Bowl's played on Saturday. You close Saturdays. Not at two thirty. It wasn't on at two thirty. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Uh, it started at one. You didn't watch it. Dad watched it, and I saw clips of it through your dad's eyes. No, I was there. You didn't watch it. You didn't watch the Senior okay. Bowl. Anyway, the the Vikings are kind of uh, much like the Lions have kind of been the, the odd man out in that division where they, they, they show promise and they fall there. Sometimes the defense is on and the offense doesn't show and vice versa. Um, they had a lot of late picks in the draft. A lot of uh, They had basically three picks for the round three, four, and five where they picked up a lot of uh, defensive pieces, uh, linebackers, defensive ends. Um, they, they, they didn't really they, – they, they focused on the line a little bit, uh, drafting a Wyatt Davis, a guard from Ohio State, and uh, actually that's the only only, only offensive other than the first uh, round pick in Derisaw. Uh, most of it was established uh, defensive pieces, uh, defensive ends uh, in Janarius Robinson from Florida State, in uh, Jalen uh, Twyman uh, from Pittsburgh in round six. Basically, he was he was uh, basically Mister Relevant almost. <laughs> um, but the Vikings are – they had a lot of late draft pieces, which basically it's its low-risk picks. Anything after, you know – anything after round three, you kind of don't know what you're going to get. This is These are players to kind of shop in training camp in preseason and kind of see what you get. Um, so by then, taking an offensive lineman in the first round and selecting a quarterback in the third, I think it's good enough for me with the rest of the pieces they, take, they took to be a B-plus grade. Um, yeah. I'll tell you about all the, the players I saw in college when you guys are talking. Massey, Souls. <laughs> Brett Casello, the wide receiver for the Eastern Knights. Yeah. I don't I don't hate the Vikings draft. They draft, they went back, they got their offensive line. They got another good offensive lineman in Ryan Davis. Um, I guess you can say they drafted a quarterback. I don't see him being more than much of a Taysom Hill type player. Um... So a guy that's probably going to be a starting quarterback. Yeah, this I mean, year. A, fran- a guy who's <laughs> going to get franchise quarterback money. It's good for him. Do you guys think Taysom Hill deserves that money? Doesn't matter if he deserves it. He got it. I mean, if that's what he gets, good for him. He ain't going to fucking play this year. He's going to play this year. Not a quarterback. I mean, he's going to play a quarterback. He might not play be the starter, but he's going to play a quarterback. You know what that means? Who's going to start there? Winston? Yeah. You'd rather have fucking Taysom Hill? I didn't say I would rather. I, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, what, what is Winston really showing? I like the offensive line picks. No, I mean, it, it made sense. I mean, it's funny. They're, they're a very uh, back-heavy draft. They're a word to me. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're their own worst enemy. They had a lot of hold to defense. They took defense a lot in the draft. I give them a, I give them a B. Right. Hey, next time you go to a game, just let me know. I'd love to go see these quarterbacks do this stuff. Oh, like, like a Sooner Caltech game. <laughs> Listen, I'm there. Massey's an Oklahoma State. Season Come on, guys, don't be a dick. 
calls me out. It doesn't like when I give it back. <laughs> Souls, who's next? The Green Bay Packers. All right. <clears throat> so the Green Bay Packers. Most Packers fans didn't have a very fun draft because, as we all know, Aaron Rodgers is grumpy. Like that a lot. Now, <laughs> now here's the thing. The grumpy. Choice of grumpy was good. Green Bay was never going to get a good receiver at 29 that was worth a value pick. But they still should have taken one over who they took in cornerback Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes was one of the bigger reaches that I saw in this draft. Um, I mean, you still had uh, Greg... Uh, no, you didn't. Greg Newsom came off three before that. You had Tyson Campbell out of Georgia, the guy who played opposite of him. And Aaron Robertson from UCF. You had Asante Samuel Jr., you had Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. You still had all these guys that were a much better selection at that spot, and they decided to go with Eric Stokes, who's a massive boomer bust prospect, and they're trying to use him to replace Kevin King with the exact same player. Coming up next, uh, they chose Josh Myers out of the Ohio State. Uh, he's a guard center to replace their loss with Corey Lindsley, who went to the Chargers. Um uh, Really cerebral guy. He's not a big mover in the run game, but uh, he is very intelligent, having gotten uh, one of the NCAA academic awards uh, last year. Um, Green Bay finally took a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers in Amari Rodgers out of Clemson. Uh, I really like that pick. Uh, not just because they're finally getting Aaron Rodgers a weapon, um, but because he's a guy who could work the middle of the field and leave the others like uh, Devontae Adams to work the outside where they're supposed to be. Um, it's also, remember, they, real quick, I just want to interrupt. Uh, it's nice, too, because guys who own uh, Aaron Rodgers jerseys want to have to switch because he's just going to take his number when he's gone. One would hope. Because that would be very, very funny. Uh, and it's even spelled its exact same thing, which is even better. <laughs> well, how would um, you spell Rogers? Two Gs. <laughs> R-O-O-D-D-G-G-E-R, double check S. R-O-G-E-R-S. That's not how you spell Rogers. Rogers. That wouldn't be Rogers. That'd be Rogers, yeah. Rogers has a D in it. Rogers. Anyways. Um... They focus primarily on the offensive side of the ball, aside from their two cornerback picks, um, which their defense kept them in the game. wasn't the reason that they lost last year. I like the fact that they're trying to beef up that line to keep uh, whoever's playing quarterback next year free from the pressure. Um, finally giving whoever's quarterbacking there a true number two wide receiver. Uh, to pair with Devonte Adams, but the reach with Stokes, uh, not a huge fan. Uh, I think that was a massive reach, especially when you had so many better options on the board. Um, B minus, C plus. We went to uh, Chicago Bears. Yeah, so so. I'm just seeing this now, and I didn't know this was a thing. Apparently, there's a rumor that the Giants are going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. That's new. <laughs> yeah, it just happened, and I was like, whoa, uh, what? <laughs> you would love it. Would uh, you order the jersey the day of? 
Well, yeah, it's also it'd be number twelve. I tell you what, <laughs> it'd be if Aaron Rodgers does go to the Giants. I hope the Bears have a great season so that you guys get thirty-two and thirty-one. <laughs> your All right. So for the Bears, um, I, I actually think the Bears had a pretty good draft. Um, you know, they they paid to trade up with the Giants to take Justin Fields. We'll see in a few years, you know, if that was a good move or not. I mean, we I don't think we'll know this year because I don't think Fields is going to play much. Um, the only the only thing I think is odd with the not not with the Fields pick, it's more with the Dalton signing because to have like Fields sit behind Dalton, I think is strange. But what? Just because you know, there are different types of quarterbacks, and I mean Dalton's learning the system the same time. Right, but it's, I mean, it's a veteran presence. Oh no, absolutely it's better than Nick Foles. But what? Well, well, I mean, like, that's it, Super Bowl champion Nick Foles to but, you. But I mean, again, like, but Foles has been in the so I, I don't know. Like, I don't think that yeah got Dalton, benched for Trubisky. Yes, but I, I don't think that Dalton is a bad guy to learn from. I just think it, it's odd that you know they signed him to teach a new guy when he's new. Well, I, well, I don't think, but they, here's they didn't the thing: plan for that to happen. Yeah, I don't. I don't of, think the. I don't. I don't. The, the I don't think the Bears and like per, I don't think the Bears predicted they were going to get Fields. I don't think they thought Fields was getting like low enough that they were going to be able to trade in. Like if Fields the Bears was taken, I don't think they would have done. Right, the same like, thing I mean, it, who, Atlanta wasn't guaranteed to go Pitts. Atlanta could have no. a quarterback. Yep. And there were other teams that could have. I mean, Carolina still could have gone quarter, quarterback. I mean, they they could have. It wouldn't. A lot of people thought they might. And there was a lot of other teams that were trying to trade in. So, I mean, and Fields was a hot top. I mean, the Bears probably thought their best bet would have been to trade up to get Mac Jones. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I like I said, I don't think well, it's bad. Yeah, it's just, um, you know. Second, also, I mean, you have to. Like, what happens if they don't get Fields or Mac Jones? Then you're stuck with Nick Foles and no backup quarterback. Well, no, that's what I mean. Like, I don't think it was a bad move they signed Dalton. It's just it. it for me, it makes more sense to have Foles teach Fields. No, why? Just because uh, again, I mean, there's not much of a difference between Dalton and. Well, there's a humongous difference. But I think what happens, I think they they what, just what, jumped you, at the you chance. Said it yourself, to well, you said it yourself a billion times. Foles will give you seven good games a year, and that's what Dalton is now. No, that, but that but that's not what Andy Dalton was. Andy Dalton put together a very successful career of making the playoffs. Granted, his team never did anything in yeah. the playoffs. But Andy Dalton made the playoffs a bunch of times and led a successful Bengals offense. A lot of the Andy Dalton is, I mean, arguably the best quarterback in Bengals history. I Man, mean, I thought you were about to say Bears, and that was gonna be real funny. <laughs> but I'm saying, that was gonna but be like, so funny. But like Andy Dalton is no schlub. I mean, he, he nobody no, ever. I, I don't. I don't. Nobody think ever that considered him a bum quarterback. Nobody ever res- uh, until after Nick Foles left the Eagles his first time. Nobody ever respected Nick Foles again after that. As a starting quarterback, he was a b- b- bum with the Chiefs. He was a bum with the Jaguars for all two games, and he was a bum with the Bears. His he had one bright spot after he left Philadelphia the first time, not counting the Super Bowl. His bright spot was leading the Bears to a comeback over Atlanta. That's it. I mean, Andy Dalton was way more mobile than Nick Foles. Justin Fields is a mobile quarterback. Andy Dalton's way tougher than Nick Foles. Justin Fields is a tough quarterback. Nick Nick Foles doesn't present anything like he has, doesn't have anything in his game that's similar to what Justin Fields does, and he just proved that he was so bad in the system 
that he got benched for Mitch Trubisky after replacing Mitch right. Trubisky. Imagine, I mean, you got benched for the guy you got, you benched. <laughs> bench for a bench. The next two rounds, they went offensive line, um, which I think was good because they, they did. Um, who's, who's the lineman they, they cut? They cut Charles Leno today. Yes. Um, so, I mean, uh, I mean, we say it all the time. You can never have too many offensive linemen. And, you know, investing two higher picks is, is good. Um, took another running back. So, probably next year he'll be the starter. <laughs> um, they, they did draft a wide receiver with a pretty cool name. First name, Daz. Like that. Um, but, again, I mean, they're, they're receiving – Depending on what happens with Anthony Miller, I mean, he, he can be, you know, a day one weapon. Um, they, they did draft a cornerback towards the tail end and, and also a defensive tackle. Overall, I, I put them in that, that A minus B plus range because I, I think that they did pretty much what, what they had to do. I, I think they made moves that, that sets the team up. Um, I think that. Uh, we kind of hinted at it before, but I think the the field's pick alone keeps Nagy and Pace around for at least another year, maybe, t- t- till he plays, really. Um, but I, I think they had a good draft. Um, when they first made the trade with the Giants, even I, I was like, man, I thought they gave up kind of a lot. But, you know, hey, they, they went and got – their guy. So if if it pans out where he's their franchise guy for the next, we'll call it ten years, then I think you know the the swap in a first is anybody would do that. Um, so yeah, I put them in that B plus A minus range. Empty cow. <laughs> Who's up next, cow? Uh, did that round out the NFC North? Packers. Yes, it did. Yeah. NFC South will do the Carolina Panthers. With the That's you, Kyle. Yeah. In the first <laughs> round they picked up JC Horn. Second round they picked up Terrence Marshall. Third round Brady Christensen. Again, they picked up Tommy Tremble. Fourth round Trevor Hubbard. Which I don't know if you guys saw the video of Matt Rule's wife basically telling him he better pick Trevor Hubbard. Or he's not coming home. And then they kind of went like deep. The names are all made up. <laughs> um, it's so ridiculous, all these new fucking names. So, I thought that I thought the pick of Chasey Horn was a kind of a reach. I think they should have traded back. If anything, they wanted him that bad. I think if they wanted a number one corner, they should have went Sertan. But they view people differently. Um, Um, then they got a big body receiver in Terrence Marshall, which doesn't make much sense to me because they have, you know, Robbie Anderson and, um, DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson's bigger receiver. And they kind of have two big targets in the outside without really a slot guy. You're not going to put DJ Moore in the slot. He's the number one. Um, the offensive, offensive tackle. They need offensive line help. And pick the tight end. And the tight end, uh, big spot for that team. 
they didn't get much out of out of their tight end last year, and I think they picked one because they they can use the offensive offensive production. I personally give the Panthers a B minus. I I think they chose J.C. Horn a little bit too early. I think they could have traded back, got more picks, and got him in like 14, 15. We'll go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. Tampa, first round, took an outside linebacker and Joe Tyron. Second round, which I, I think kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was a surprise, but, I mean, they took a quarterback in the second round. You know, Brady's probably only got about 15 years left. So you got to start prepping for post Brady. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> um, you know they they uh, third round was an offensive tackle. Um, then I mean they they took a wide receiver, and then the rest was defense. Two more linebackers and a corner. Um, I mean we know all twenty two starters are coming back to the Bucks. <laughs> so I mean uh, the, these guys being drafted are going to have to really you know earn earn a spot. You know there there's no vacancy you know nobody left <laughs> so no, no one's just going to be handed a, a starting job there um but they they do have some guys that will be free agents next year and and sue and uh jpp so there the, there is opportunity um but the the bucks are they're they're primed for another run um brady's looking for super bowl number what eight could you imagine if they used the Chiefs to run it back as their slogan for? Oh man, that'd be so. If they used what the the run it back hashtag oh. that the Chiefs that'd be like such a pity move, just a slap in oh. the face. Be like, yeah, we're gonna do it though. <laughs> but um, you know, I I think that the the Bucks kind of just found the value what they had. You know, the, the to me, obviously, they come off a Super Bowl, keep all twenty two guys. Where, where's their need? You know, um, so I think they, they found guys that they can use really looking at even the season after. Um, so I give them a B flat. Just flat old B. The New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints. Um, this is a very strange team. Uh, Drew Brees uh, retiring this year and coming off kind of – Kind of a very unimpressive end to a uh, career. Um, not that he played poorly, it just was not really special in any way. Michael Thomas injured um, most of the year. Um, defense plays very well at times, but somehow finds a way to give him a lot of points. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of questions and uh, not a lot of answers, all of which I don't know if they really established uh, in the draft. Uh, the first round, uh, at the 28th pick, they took uh, Peyton Turner, defensive end out of Houston. Um, you know, good player. Um, you know, it's, it's a strong defensive line in New Orleans, uh, you know, anchored by uh, Mr. Mustachio there. Um, <laughs> um, in the second round, they took a linebacker, uh, Pete Warner, out of Ohio State, and uh, rounding out in the third round with a cornerback in uh, Paulson uh, Adebo out of Stanford. Um Taller corner, more kind of like a like Taylor type uh, frame. Um, solid, solid corner, you know, and not a particularly like you know there there was names in in the secondary of this draft, but it was not this draft was not known for oh wow what a, what a great 
secondary that's providing. Uh, you know, they, the Saints, they ended up taking a quarterback in the fourth round, and Ian Brook, you know, that's something that's kind of a, a project pick, an offensive tackle in the sixth, and a receiver in the seventh. This was kind of a very run-of-the-mill. This is like, imagine if any of us would have sit in uh, an NFL draft room. I, I feel like we would have had a very similar move. I, I feel like they, they didn't really solve any problem. They, they picked players to pick players. They kind of went through the motion. I think I – don't, I don't know what the, the Saints – Mission is. I don't know if Taysom Hill is going to start, or I don't know if. Um, uh, I pretty much think they said Jameis is going to be James the James starter. starter. Uh, and you know, th- th- there is really solid pieces on both sides of the ball. So it's like, here's the thing: if you're looking at it in a fantasy perspective, Kamara and Thomas with Jameis are better off than they are with Taysom Hill. But yeah, I mean, perhaps it's a yeah, different. If it's, it's what, a, what head coach is looking at fantasy? But uh, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, it's, I, it's a different. No, I agree, like, but like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like when I when I think of this, when I think of this stuff, I think of fantasy because that's what I know. It's a different. To Kyle's point, it's a different offense with Taysom versus Jameis. One hundred percent. Jameis um, is kind of giving the Drew Brees vibe, like young Drew Brees, and then Taysom brings the old Drew Brees. So in in summary, I think I'll give the Saints just a C. Um, I they didn't they didn't have a bad draft. They didn't have a good draft. It, it was it was it was the average draft for the for that football team. And the thing is, this coming year they'll probably still win ten games. It, it's just it's kind of how they operate. <laughs> um, so yeah, questions, comments, concerns. The Atlanta Falcons. Is that me? I believe so. Yes. All right, so Atlanta went with Kyle Pitts at the fourth overall pick, and then Richie Grant, safety at UCF. Um, at 40, Jalen Mayfield at 68, and then their round three picks included uh, two cornerbacks, a center, defensive tackle, an edge, and a wide receiver. Um, they basically took the non-best quarterback player in the entire draft uh, night one, Um you know, the whole mantra going into this draft is that he's going to be faster than any linebacker, bigger than any safety, and uh, more aggressive than any corner. Um, he, he's already projected to be the biggest matchup nightmare for any defense. Um, I think that what that sets him up for is a very disappointing rookie campaign, especially with Matt Ryan throwing the football to him because um, he's been anything but consistent lately. Um, I think his biggest plus is that he's going to have Julio Jones there potentially if he's not traded um, to to kind of like give him some single coverage because the Falcons have a decent receiving core. Um, but I, it's just like a player like this, like I, I'm you know for a non quarterback, like I mean even a quarterback, like there's just so much hype around this kid. And his one plus is that now that Breeze is gone, this is kind of an open division. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens from there. Um, Richie Grant was one of the top five safeties in the draft. Um, he has very good run defense capabilities, um, and, uh, has a lot of potential to be a really good all around player. Um, both of their safety went to the Cowboys, right? But, um, I don't know. It was an interesting pick given that Trevin Moore was still on the board. Um, 
not to say that it's the wrong pick, you know, who, who knows really, but, um, and then the tackle Mayfield, uh, he had first round considerations at some point, but this year was such a weird year with opt outs and short seasons and injuries. And, you know, this, I mean, I think that after this, I think you're going to see a lot of four through seven guys be a lot better than a lot of these round one guys in three years. I think uh, a lot of these round one guys are going to be big time Did they take him in round three? Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of these round one guys are going to be big time busts after their rookie contracts are up. I think I don't think a lot of them get renewed. I'd, I'd go as far to say almost half. Well. A lot of these guys. There were, no, that's a good point. There were there was over 70 guys that were drafted that were all first round candidates. All had first round potential going into this season that either opted out or their stats didn't show the potential because they played a lot. Like you look at a lot of these small school guys, they played against other small schools. They didn't get to play against any big schools and do anything. Sometimes a small school guy really balls out against a big Ohio State, even if his team gets pummeled. So a lot of these guys, I think a lot of these first round guys are going to be big washes. To be honest with you, um, uh, it, I, I think it was a pretty decent valued pick. Um, some people say it was a reach. Some people say it fell. Whatever. Um, we don't really know. Um, but he's going to be competing for the the open vacancy on the, the team's offensive line. And as for day three, um, kind of hit and miss. Um, a lot of these guys are going to be, you know, who knows what. Um, uh, Dahlman out of uh, uh, Stan- uh, Stanford. Um, he's going to have a lot to do in the pass protection game to be a starter at one point. Um, the wide receiver pick, even though it was round six, a little questionable to me if I'm, if I'm the Falcons, you know, round six and seven, you're picking special teams guys. I'm picking corners and safeties. Um, cause that's what you need. Um, overall, I mean, they got the best, like I said, they got the best non-offensive or non-quarterback player in the draft. Um, and they addressed it. They addressed some defensive problems. Um, so I give him a B. I mean, I think outside of Kyle Pitts, it's kind of like a there's more room for error on a lot of their picks than other teams, but doesn't. But they're not all bad picks. And then we'll, we'll bring you to the West. West. Uh, the Forty Niners. The Forty Niners <clears throat> of San Francisco. Although they play in uh, what is it? It's not San Jose. What do they play now? Well, they played in Arizona. Last year. That's true. They did do that. But they, they play in uh, Santa Monica. Okay. So they picked Trey Lance with the... Oh, <laughs> oh it's your team. My bad. Uh, yes, they did do that. Um, so with the uh, third pick, uh, the Cornelius took Trey Lance. Um, so I, I think, you know, that was the, the move. That's the guy they wanted. Um, it... it all, all the you know media sources. That's Kyle Shanahan's guy. It's a mobile, mobile quarterback um, and a guy who can throw well uh, behind the line. Um, everyone is saying that you know, hey, this is going to be the guy to re-revolutionize the type of quarterback NFL teams want to run, which is just hot fluff. Um, I, I think Trey Lance will be a good quarterback in the NFL. I think there's a lot of room. I think, as we know, football is ever improving. It's ever changing. Um, I think they're ready to always crown the next great everything. But I think I, – I, I say this a lot, and I hearken back to the 49ers team of 2019, the team that went to the Super Bowl, 
in the running game. I thought that was one of the best running attacks I had ever seen uh, watching football. Um, now that team is not, it's not the same now since, since that, you know, different pieces are gone. Uh, that was an injury plague team last year defensively. Um, but I think they had a decent draft. Um, throughout the rest of the draft in the second round, they grabbed an uh, offensive lineman, Aaron Banks, out of Notre Dame. Um, and it's very funny. The 49ers staying true to what John Lynch is all about. He, they drafted two running backs, uh, Trey Sermon in the third and uh, Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round. Um, they grabbed some defensive pieces uh, in the later rounds. Uh, I guess just his depth um, and uh, a second offensive lineman. Um, it's tough. The, the 49ers were in the mix. Uh, I think it, it, the, the NFC West is a very tough division because you don't know what you're going to get out of the Rams. You don't know what you're going to get out of what is, you know, perhaps what the Cardinals are, are going to be. I think Seattle, you kind of know that it's a team that will always compete. The 49ers are kind of like, that, that's the new kid in town. You know, they, they made it to the Super Bowl. They made a big splash. They had a setback. Will they make it back? Um, I, I really like what they did. I think the, the 49ers had a good draft despite everything that, that happened this previous season. Uh, good enough to give them an A- minus uh, on my behalf. Uh, I think, you know, we don't know what the, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, how that's going to play out. Or the, it, there's so much speculation about everything. You know, everyone wants to, you know, create a narrative and, and make all this drama. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but all in all, I think – None of the picks they made really put them in a position that hurts them. So, A minus. I don't know why everybody was so surprised they picked Trey Lance. Like everybody was fucking blown away. They fucking said it two days before the draft. We're taking Trey Lance. They literally said it. Like unless the Jets change their minds, we're taking Trey. Lance. And then everyone was like, like, "Oh my <laughs> god, they didn't take Justin Fields." All right, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, uh, round one, linebackers, Avon Collins out of Tulsa, uh, Rondale Moore out of Purdue in round two, Marco Wilson out of Florida in uh, four, and the rest of their day three coverage included an edge, corner, safety, and a center. Um, the Zavin Collins pick, um, I like that pick a whole lot. He's a real like throwback to, to rushing the football and defense wins championships. Um, he's six foot five and 270 pounds, which means he's got a whole lot of meat. <laughs> um, we should start saying that a lot. Yeah. Um, he he had the highest coverage grade, uh, Pro Football Focus coverage grade of any linebacker in the draft class, and it's just another. The Arizona Cardinals have cont- continued their trend of picking very versatile, athletically explosive defensive players um, that allows them to implement uh, interesting defensive packages, fronts, and coverage options um, against a, a very competitive division. Um, uh, Arizona brought in AJ Green in free agency, um, but Man, I forgot he was there. <laughs> but AJ Green has not shown anything over the past three years to yeah. prove that he's worth anything. Um, but on guaranteed. paper, it's still a kick in the pants, <laughs> right? Worth anything guaranteed. Again, the Cardinals just the dying place of NFC North or <laughs> AFC North players. Um, so they they went out and got another dynamic playmaker at wide receiver in Rondell Moore. Um. He's got a very good ability to create with the ball in his hands. And that is very strong for him because uh, I think the Cardinals were the number one screen offense in football last year. Um, but his ability to make plays on his own 
um, in terms of route running and separation is yet to be seen. Um, he did force like 35 or 36 missed tackles um, after the catch in his only healthy season at Purdue, which warrants the injury problem um, because that was him as a freshman in 2018, which means you know 2021 NFL draft, he hasn't played a full season since 2018 at any level. Um, and then uh, their biggest steal of the draft was Tay Gowan, the cornerback. Um, he was ranked as a top 100 player for pro football focus, top 10 defensive back. Um, but Gowan has the chance to develop into a quality starting option. Um, he's got big shoes to fill as well as the rest of those cornerbacks. Um, and, uh, he has a good combination of size and movement from UCF. Um, he should have been a day two pick, but instead he's gonna, he's gonna get to start. He's gonna, he's gonna fight for the starting job beside Malcolm Butler. Kyle grabbed a couple Z's during that explanation. <laughs> you want me to just take the rest of your teams? You want me to just take the rest of your teams? Okay. Cool. Um, uh, I have the Rams, if that helps. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, the Rams. Schools, uh, I have the Seahawks. <laughs> uh, so, as we know, the Rams have done a lot of different things in the past couple of years, uh, and uh, having first-round draft picks is uh, not one of them. Um and uh, I really enjoyed the one of the articles I read is uh, Les Snead loves him some mid mid to late round draft picks. <laughs> I know, I know, Massey would appreciate that uh, line a lot. Um, How many draft picks did they have? But let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, oh, six, wow. seven, eight, way eight, more than my team did. Uh, they had nine. And uh, would you want to corroborate that, Mass? So I think it was nine. Um, so the Rams are interesting because you almost didn't know what they were gonna do. Um, their, their first pick, which was in the second round, uh, they took a 2-2 Atwell uh, out of Louisville as a receiver, um, which didn't seem like a pressing need. However, at the same time, it was the type of thing like you find yourself in a position where you don't have a definitive pick to like, hey, let's make an impact. Why not take someone who could be, you know, just good for us, you know, someone who's a best available type situation. And that may have been kind of the mindset. Um, the rest of their picks, uh, they took uh, pretty pretty uh, heavy defensive presence, uh, presence rather. Um, Ernest Jones, linebacker. Uh, Bobby Brown, the third defensive tackle. Uh, Robert Rochelle, cornerback. Ernest Brown, the fourth defensive end. Uh, and uh, Chris Garnett, Uh Linebacker, so a very uh, heavy defensive draft for the Rams. Um, and a, a pick, real, real quick, I just want to mention this, Massey. You have to get this guy's jersey while while it's available. Uh, the round seventh pick, <laughs> pullback Jake Funk out of Maryland, which is personally my favorite pick uh, of the Rams. <laughs> oh, I think I understand that because you guys had the best name in the draft in uh, the uh, in the whole draft. What, the, the punter? No, Louder Milk. Oh, Louder Milk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. so let's let's round out the NFC. Let's and we got to rip through the AFC because okay. this took way too long. Real quick, sorry, I gave the Rams a B. Oh, oh uh, okay, sorry, I thought you did. My no, that's no, uh, I was laughing. You're like, this is going to take an hour. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Who's that? We're saying it. Um, 
It can take an hour. Oh, no way we were doing this in an hour. It, it can. Well, oh, it can. But we were never going to do this in an hour. Do you want to do AFC next week, or you want to just keep this one all through it? I think we should just rip okay, through it. Let's rip through it. don't need to take as long of explanations. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, they had three picks in the draft. Round two, they picked uh, Dwayne Etchridge out of Western Michigan. And then their day four picks were Trey Brown cornerback and Stone Forsyth offensive tackle out of Florida. Um, they didn't really have much to work with here. Eskridge was a humongous reach for the Seahawks, but with that being said, he's the perfect fit for that system. Um, he's got really good speed and very polished route running to fit into the slot. Um, Tyler Lockett is that speed threat guy on the outside. DK Metcalf's the big go up and get him guy. Eskridge can very easily fall under the radar across the middle for Russell Wilson, who's always looking for dump off options because they don't have a single offensive lineman to protect him. Um, uh, Trey Brown is very undersized and it's most likely going to be a slot quarterback, but he's a very dog mentality player. Um, despite his smaller statue, he clamps his opponents and he racks up big ball production over the uh, last couple of years. Um, since 2019, he's had 22 pass breakups and interceptions, um, as well as under a yard per coverage on snaps. Which is pretty impressive because those yard under you know covering somebody under a yard usually pretty much guarantees you're going to get blown but you're going to get beat a lot because it's just quick routes. Um, their draft grade it's not fair to give them one. I give them NA. They had three picks. Um, the Dwayne Eskridge pick is really going to be what defines their draft this year. If he can ball out for them the way Seattle knows how to develop receivers, um, then th- that's going to be a home run pick for him. If he, if he plays the way that the, the Pro Football Focus board has him ranked, then it's a shitty draft. But when, you're pick, when you have three picks and two of them are day three, I don't think you can really give a fair ranking. Uh, so let's move out to the AFC East. Uh, let's go with the Patriots. All right. The New England Patriots. Let me get my sheet here. The Patriots, I mean, they... they Stayed put where we thought um, they may make some moves to trade up for one of the quarterbacks, but Belichick stayed put and got the guy that um, I think that we all kind of thought that they wanted in Mac Jones. Um, Second round, defensive tackle and Christian Barrymore. Um, And and kind of an even split between offensive and defensive draft picks where – they kind of alternated back and forth where it was, you know, defensive end, then yet another running back to add to the Patriots backfield, um, linebacker, safety, offensive tackle, and then a wide receiver um, at the end. Um, I mean, I, I do think that they had a decent draft where they didn't have to pay up to get a quarterback, especially the guy that they wanted. Um, they were able to add depth and, and defensive pieces. And, I mean, we said it, but they have, what, three three guys in the New England backfield, but it's just a rotating door of who's going to have the big game. Um, overall, I, I gave the Patriots a, a B-minus draft. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't think Mac Jones is going to be the week one starter. I think it's still Cam's job, but I, I don't think – he has to do anything spectacular to beat him out in camp. I, I think he can take the job from him. What was the grade? I gave him a B minus. Alright. So we wanted the Bills. Um the Bills uh day one took Gregory uh Rousseau, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that, out of Miami, Florida, edge rusher. Uh day two they took uh Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest, another edge rusher, and tackle Spencer Brown. 
Uh, and then to round out day three, they took uh, a tackle and a guard, as well as a wide receiver, safety, and cornerback. Um, so for day one, uh, Rasu or Rasso, whatever, um, he's an absolute freak of nature at the uh, edge position, six seven, with a thirty five inch reach and arms, and almost a foot in hands. Um, he opted out of the twenty twenty season, which raises a lot of concerns and ca- cost him draft uh, draft numbers. Um, about how he'll edge, how he'll fare as a true edge defender in the NFL. Um, he only rushed 283 times in his college career, but lined up in every stance possible, um, and seems to be a much bigger freak of nature from the interior rushing point than the outside. Um, other edge rusher, Carlos Basham, um, put on a lot of weight during his college career and kind of transformed himself into a real tank with a lot of power. Um, but, uh, most of his best plays don't come from straight bull rushing using the power. Um, they come more from the finesse moves. Um, he, he lacks consistency, but he's got tools to be a first round player. Um, so we'll see how they want to go. The bills really tried to address both sides of the football here on the lines. Um, other than that, the, the best, um, the best thing they got on the, the day three set is they got the best-named player in the draft, um, a cornerback that uh, forced 10 incompletions in his college career and only allowed 10, uh, 11 total catches. And that, that that man is Rashad Wild Goose. That's a good name. <laughs> That's a good name. Um, they address both sides of the ball uh, line-wise, which is, you know, important. You know, uh, Josh Allen is, you know, the definition of a dual-threat quarterback, but also uh, warrants injury concern with the way that he portrays himself uh, once he passes that line of scrimmage, refuses, refusing to give himself up. So you kind of want to entice him to have a good pocket where he doesn't need to break containment as much. So I like that they did go back-to-back tackles, even if it was a little later. Um, I, I don't necessarily know that they needed to go back-to-back edge one and two. I think that they could have maybe... Uh, dipped into this deep wide receiver pool a little earlier than the sixth round. So for that, I give him a B. Uh, let's go on to the Dolphs. Dolphins had one of my favorite drafts in this entire year. It was kind of hard um, for them not to. They had a fucking billion picks. Yeah. 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 Mash is very emotional, wiping his eyes. They only had... <laughs> They only had seven total picks, um, but they started well, they out with seven, Jalen. Oh, so they said seven after they start after they traded. <laughs> yes, um, they had or they selected Jalen Waddle with their first round pick or their first first round pick, um, who just speed hands deep threat. He's going to stretch the field. He's going to be their number one receiver. Um, you know, second uh, pick in the first round, they picked Jalen Phillips. Um, bit of a concern. Uh, he dro- definitely dropped down the board because of his concussion injury or his concussion issues he had for in college. Um, bit of a risky pick, but if it pays off, it's going to pay off big. Um, Javon Holland as a safety to add to their already stacked secondary. Uh, Liam Eikenberg uh, tackled to help protect Tua, Hunter Long. Really good depth signing for the tight end. I mean, overall, the Dolphins are going all in on Tua this year. He has a fantastic supporting crew, if not one of the best in the entire NFL. This is his year to prove if he's going to be the guy or if they're going to go need to go looking pretty soon. I give them an A. 
Uh, and Jets. And the Jets. Uh, so, as we know, the Jets kind of have uh, like a Groundhog Day every time they have draft day. Uh, it seems like they have the same draft every year. Um, but. Boo. Oh, sorry. It was bad, bad joke, I guess. I had high aspirations. Good joke, bad execution. I feel that. Okay, anyway, so uh, Jets were in the uh, the uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, game for a while. Uh, bowed out to that, ended up with the second pick, but they selected the quarterback Zach Wilson, um, which, you know, as a need, uh, they, they, I think they were going quarterback either way. Um, they made an interesting move where they advanced uh, to the 14th pick in the first round uh, where they selected uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, offensive guard. Um, I think that there was a lot of flack that I think came from that, uh, but I don't necessarily see that. I, I don't know do I agree with the flack. I think the Jets had a lot of um, a lot of uh, issues they needed to handle, and um, offensive line was definitely one of them. They were very uh, offensive heavy present in the first rounds of the draft. Uh, they ended up selecting uh, Elijah Moore in the in the second round, a wide receiver at Ole Miss. And uh, a running back in Michael Carter. So, with like the departure of Le'Veon Bell, um, wide receivers has never been super prominent as of late for the Jets. Um, I think they, they established a lot in the first four rounds. The later rounds of the draft was definitely, uh, it was all defensive heavy, in, in especially secondary position. They took two safe, three safeties in two corners, which I thought was very interesting, really um, creating some interesting moves for them uh, come uh, regular season time. But I, I give the Jets a B plus. I think they stuck to their guns. They knew what they were going to do. Um, will it pay off? I, I don't know. I think there's this tough competition. You know, the Patriots will always compete. The Bills seem to be the team to beat. And the Dolphins are not to be slept on. So I, the, the Jets, I think they made the moves they need to make for the future. But unfortunately, they seem to be stuck in this, like I said, Groundhog Day thing. I don't know if this will be what we're talking about in, again, three years' time. So I disagree. I give the Jets an A, and the reason for that is I, I know what you're saying about the Groundhog Day thing, but they kind of broke that mold because they went out and they, they drafted a new quarterback, but then they immediately they addressed the needs for that quarterback in the same draft. No, I, I agree. So I it's just, not just it, it's not just like a um, – <laughs> They didn't. They, yeah. they didn't just draft the quarterback and then try to address holes on their already existing no, I, team. Paul, I agree. I think I was just more critical, but I, I, I followed kind of what you're saying. All right, so let's move on to the NFC or AFC North. I'll start off with the Bengals. Um, so round one, they took Jamar Chase out of LSU, the number one receiver on the board. Uh, rounds two and three on day two, they took offensive tackle Jackson Carmen and uh, edge Joseph Asai, and then to round out their very busy day three. Uh, their three fourth round picks included edge, defensive end, or defensive tackle, uh, offensive tackle, and then in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds, they took kicker uh, Evan McPherson, uh, a center, running back, and an edge rusher. Um, they bring in former LSU receiver Jamar Chase, um, reuniting him with the winning national winning quarterback Joe Burrow. Um, Chase was dominant in 2019, um, and. Uh, it was a bit of a question. Um, they had the, the fifth pick, and, and it's kind of an enticing thing. You see this happen every once in a while where you get the ability to pair a young quarterback up with his, his quarterback messiah or his wide receiver messiah. But um, there's a lot of question marks as to passing up on the offensive line in that situation because Joe Burrow was, you know, not only was he sacked all the time, but it cost him the rest of his season last year. Um, they did address that in round two with Jackson Carmine, who was uh, – who, it's, it's a big Thanks, question. Carl. 
It's a big question as to whether or not he's going to play. Can you turn it off? <laughs> his, his mic is off, too, which is amazing. Oh. Uh, it's, it's unseen as to whether he's going to play tackle or guard in Cincinnati, but it, it elevates the talent that they have at that group regardless. Um, and then due to the loss of Carl Lawson to the Jets in the offseason, um, they try to combat that by bringing in Joseph Asai in the third round. He's a very explosive athlete whose um, biggest strength is uh, his, his motor. Um, he's got a very strong athleticism. Um, I think they got a really good pick in Cameron Sample um, at edge in the fourth round. Um, and the Evan McPherson, I don't know anything about him. I didn't look anything up. But I, I hate everyone that wants to shit on people taking kickers. Take it from somebody who's fucking been through the carousel of kickers. If you can get a good one, it doesn't matter what you have to pay to do it. Kickers win and lose games for you. Just uh, ask the Patriots in the 2000s. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I'm just, you know, it's not a shot at the Patriots. I'm just saying, it's a big fucking deal. So if Evan McPherson, they think, is that guy to take in the round five with the 149th pick, you fucking do it. Yeah. Hey, man, um, the Bucks love it. Remember that, that Aguaro guy? He was good. Um, Aguaro. The, the Bengals were kind of in an interesting boat here where they couldn't really do any wrong. They needed help at every facet. They lost John Ross. They lost A.J. Green. Eifert is done. Um... Offensive line needs help. Their big shining is that they have Mixon, but they lost Bernard. Right? Didn't they lose Giovanni yeah. Bernard? Yeah. yeah. They lost yeah. Bernard. The defense was – so the Bengals are in the complete beginning of a rebuild. They just got the quarterback thing. What looks to be right because Burrow did look very well before he went down. So they kind of could have done anything here, and it wouldn't have been received as bad. Um, so they get a B. Uh, they had the potential to go up to A. I, I mean, Jamar Chase, I get why they did it, but – Offensive line might have been the, the, the plug there. I think it should have been Sewell, personally. It, it, it's one of those – it's hard to pass up no, re- reuniting the two guys, you know. We, we, it's very rare you see it happen, and then every time it's available, the NFL makes it happen. Um, all right, uh, Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers went uh, running back, Najee Harris, in the first round. Second-round pick was used on a tight end. Um, then, they, then they addressed the offensive line a bit with a center and offensive tackle with their next two picks. Uh, then it was pretty much defense the rest of the way out. Until, they had to do uh, it at some point. Yeah. You know, they went with their linebacker guy, <laughs> their their uh, token linebacker, uh, defensive end, outside linebacker, and then a cornerback. And they finished off with a punter in uh, Presley Harvin the third Black punter. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so the Steelers are tough because I think they drafted positions that they needed. I think that there's a, a few picks they probably could have waited on. Um, I, I I don't think they needed to pick Najee Harris in the first round. Um, but who, who I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. The Steelers are the team. They set their side on their guy, and that's who they're taking yeah. no matter what. They did it every year. Um, I think it was the most predictable Pittsburgh Steelers draft, as, as always. To know. me um, – to me, the Najee Harris pick is that they're, they're giving Ben his, his kind of his last shot. Well, the, but here's the thing: this is Ben and Steelers know this is it. This yes, is it. and th- and that's what I mean. They're they're throwing another you know weapon that that he can use. Um, I saw in some place where where Harris was kind of getting like Bell comparisons, but I mean, who knows? Um, they're two different kind of runners. 
But the, um, the, the comparison is, is he's a, he's a very good receiving back. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Right. So. I, I I think the pick was made to say all right you know here here's another they they re-signed Juju they have young receivers they they bring in a you know a now he's a first round running back and, and I mean from a school that produces good running backs I mean Alabama puts out good traditionally speaking not yeah <laughs> skill skill positions um but. I think that they had other needs they could have addressed in the first round or even traded back to get not but you know, like like Paul said, they got their guy. I give them a B minus. I, I think that they could have drafted not not so much better personnel wise, I just think they could have capitalized on that talent better. Fair enough. My problem with the Najee Harris pick is that because they picked him, they should have they should not have picked the tight end. I don't care how sold the tight are. end pick. I think is. is I understand. He's a good run blocking tight end. That's all I'm hearing from Steelers fans. He's a great run block. Yeah, cool. The running back you pick doesn't run to the outside ever. So cool. <laughs> no, he's mean, an inside run back. I mean, running back. As a fan, I, w- I was surprised. I, I, don't, I don't hate the pick, but listen, I I get it because I'm. And my thing about the draft is, and I think you know Paul may have the same food as like feelings as I do. I'm not a personnel guy. I'm a strategy guy. So it's like you know, hey, draft whoever you want. Is going to equate to what you do. It doesn't so, matter how good Najee Harris is if, if Mason Rudolph has to take snaps this year. Right. End of story. Uh, Cleveland Browns. Cornerback uh, Greg Newsom in the second in uh, the first round. And then linebacker Jeremy Awusu-Karama. And uh, Anthony Schwartz, wide receiver in the third round. And then rounded it out in day three with a tackle, defensive tackle, linebacker, safety, and running back. Um, they're one of the NFL's... Uh, the Browns have kind of become, in terms of drafts and free agency, one of the NFL's smartest teams, in my opinion. They, yeah, they get what they need. Um, it's it, it, it takes it, it's a it's a timetable thing. It doesn't immediately pay dividends, but it works over the course of a season. You you see by the end of the season where they're supposed to be. Um, they attacked the most valuable positions that they needed. Um, Newsom's a great prospect. Um, he he had a small sample in twenty twenty, but the the. The Browns were just thrown all over. They, they needed to address that. I think they did the right thing by going cornerback in the first round. They continued their smart trend um, for uh, the linebacker there, Jeremiah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's, a, he, he's an off-ball linebacker, which means he can kind of do some slot coverage um, when the matchups are right. And he's very explosive that can fill multiple roles. And Cleveland kind of did the right thing there. They needed a lot of things on defense, and you only have so many picks, and you had to address some offensive things. So you get somebody that can kind of maybe do it all for you um, and be like a five-tool player for you. Um, and then the, the Tommy Togai pick um, in the fourth round was arguably one of the biggest highway robberies of the draft. They got him on day three. He was a day two guy the whole way. He fell. He's a bull rush edge uh, defensive tackle. Um, that's a very forceful three technique guy, um, and is absolutely a stud in the run. I, I give him an I give him an A plus. I think they I think the Browns went out and addressed everything they needed to address. Wow, I'm telling you, I, I and I, I think the the Browns to me are that team that they, they make moves and it takes time for the chemistry to get there. Yeah, but by the end of the season. We always see the Browns are all have, the past three years since Baker's been there have been going on runs at the end of the season, and they they are, I think this draft and maybe one or two more like plug and play like 
you know, uh, preseason cut guys away from, from putting it all together. And this, this is their time. The Ravens didn't look like the Ravens last year, and they could te- be taking a step back. The Bengals are by no means contenders, and the Steelers are a ginormous question mark because last year we saw the 17-0 Patriots and the 0-16 Lions in the same season from that team. Yeah. So which team are you no, going to get? It's the thing, too, and from a Steelers' perspective, real quick, you know, the Browns beat them in the wild card. And the thing is, unfortunately, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the shot. If a game was five quarters, I think the Browns would have probably lost the game. But it's not, you know, and they were able to hang on and, you know, and, and play good football. So The biggest question mark for the Browns is going into this season has nothing to do with what they did in the draft. That has to do with OBJ. That's that's my takeaway. All right, let's 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 wrap it up with the Ravens. So the Ravens, another one of my favorite ones in the draft. Uh, Ravens started out with Homer. wide receiver Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Freaking Massey um, McShay over here. Still no last. I'm so sorry. Continue. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, who is one of my favorite pairings uh, with the style of offense in the quarterback. Uh, Rashad Bateman is just exceptional at uh, beating press coverage and route running, uh, which will really help uh, Lamar develop as a passer, as somebody who can get separation uh, and he can get his timing down with. Uh, they went risky in picking Edge Adafe away out of Penn State with their second first-round pick. Uh, this is a guy who got no sacks last year at Penn State but constantly lived in the backfield. Um just wasn't able to put it all together during that program. Uh, but the Ravens have always been great at developing edge rushers. So uh, we could see this kid turn into something special. Um, they ended up taking another offensive guard, uh, cornerback, another wide receiver, Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State, who I personally really like. Um, I think he fell a little bit because of his knee injury. Uh, but, you know, he's... Um, receiver that will excel at uh, going up to fight for that ball uh, and making those 50-50 type catches. Um, I mean, the only real thing that the Baltimore Ravens have to do at this point is pick up a right tackle in free agency, and there's a few of them out there, and I really honestly think that this division may be theirs to lose. What was the grade? A. A. All right, so let's go to the NFC South. Um, I'll kick it off with the Colts. In round one, they picked edge rusher Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, and and two doubled down on the edge with Deo Obiingo Obiingbo out of Vanderbilt. Blech. Day three, they picked a tight end. Then they picked Sean Davis out of Florida, Sam Miller out of Texas, Michael Strachan out of Indianapolis, and Will Fries out of Penn State. Uh, Pay is very physically gifted, but he's very unrefined. Um, he has kind of that generational tool talent pool that you're looking for. Um, but he's very reckless on the pass rush. Um, with the right coaching, he could be dominant, but it's a multi-year project. There's day two edge rusher um, it, with uh, Obiingbo is another athletic profile fit for the Colts. Um, he's got prototypical size, but he um, he doesn't really come with the, the, the stats and, and grading profiles that you're looking for to match those freakish abilities. Um, and the Colts have a track record over the past four or five years of chasing guys like this and have had a very big mixed bag of results on the defensive side of the ball when going for players along those lines. And um, 
on day three, their big guy, uh, uh, Ellinger, in round six, he was a four-year starter that did a good job at limiting turnovers. Um, and that's about where you stop, like, pretty much grading him. Um, it, it, pocket presence, arm strength, and accuracy are all kind of barriers at being able to go to the next level. Um, it, it, it was a good backup quarterback pick with the uncertainty of Wentz, but not necessarily if, if, if Wentz isn't the option, you don't really have the option here. Um, I, I think the Colts had a lot of potential here, but I, I'm going to go ahead and give them a C um, because they, they drafted projects, not football players. Um, some, you know, the, 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 the bears, you know, pace has been known to do that in the past. Um, from experience, there's other general managers that like to do that drafting projects. The upside is, is, is through the ceiling into the stratosphere, but the, the downside is six feet under and, and no escape route. Um, football players are always going to produce and they, they did not draft football players here. They drafted projects. Uh, G- Texans. Okay, the Houston Texans. Uh, the the Texans, unfortunately, have had a. Uh, uh, it's very sad for the Texans. It's been a very steep slope. Um, a lot of changes. Self inflicted. Yes, very self inflicted. Well, for the team, for the team. I mean, well, the, the Sean Watson stuff's not self. That's what I mean. For well, the team, not not oh. excluding him. All around, it's been kind of a very bad go of it. Uh, this has been uh, Nick Casario's first round as a GM as the the drafter for the Texans, uh, and there was kind of with a lot of unknowns and a lot of. You know, uh, things that have changed, a lot of needs for the Texans. Um, their first pick was in the third round after um, all that Bill O'Brien has done for that, you know, franchise. Uh, when the first round they selected a quarterback, uh, Davis Mills, from uh, quarterback from Stanford, which I think was a good pick. You know, it was, it was kind of like a, a necessary, a necessary pick. Uh, you know, get a quarterback, just get one that's available, something that you can kind of work with, uh, someone that, you know, perhaps doesn't have to be ready this season, you know, d- depending on the route you go. But perhaps if you do go with him, you know, hey, you have a guy who perhaps you can mold and you can take some hits with the punches, maybe win you five, six games. Uh, I thought it was a great pick. Um, then later in the third round, uh, they s- selected uh, Nico Collins, wide receiver out of Michigan. Uh Made sense, um, you know. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, trade it, it carried so much weight for the franchise, you know, roster wise, NFL wise, regardless, you know, that's that's essentially your franchise player traded away. It's 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 a demoralizing move. Um, it it doesn't hurt to get a you know just a a, a receiver you know to kind of mold of the future. I'll let it took a tight end uh, later, a linebacker and defensive tackle. Um, Texans, you know, unfortunately. They find themselves kind of back in that 2002 spot again, like joining the NFL. Um, they, 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 they got to their, their point. They, they, they peaked big time. You know, they had a couple of playoff runs, and now it's like, you know, with everything going on, uh, they're kind of back at sort of that, you know, coming back to the NFL again, it, it, how it feels. Um, but everything considered, you know, a lot of drama in Houston right now. Um, Considering a GM's first draft, uh, I give him a B minus. You know, why not? I think basically you're kind of. I hate I hate to use this term because I hate it so much, but a whole culture has been reinvented now here in Houston. Uh, with that being said, I I think that it's deserving of a, a B minus grade. All right, moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, a team that had the potential to pretty much just get an A right out of the first pick. Uh, didn't didn't do that. Um, 
they went with the no-brainer and Trevor Lawrence in the first round with the first overall pick and then just really botched it with their 25th pick in the first round of Travis uh, Etienne. Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Yeah. Um, Etienne. Etienne. Uh, day two, Sorry. they had three picks, uh, two, two, two second rounders. They took cornerback Tyson Campbell, tackle Walker Little, and safety Andre Sisco. And then they rounded out the third day with a tackle, edge rusher, tight end, and wide receiver. Um, Trevor Lawrence is the no-brainer. Um, I mean, the guy hasn't lost a regular season game in like eight years. Um, he's... Ever in his career. I don't think – they, they just – every time they say that, they only show high school and college <laughs> statistics. High school and so, college. Yeah, so I don't think that that includes, like, Pop Warner. Okay. Um, he hasn't lost a regular season game in, in we'll call it, seven years. Um, which, you know, to me, my, my big takeaway from that is that, like, it's interesting because his his record was what, like, like, like 48 and 6 or something like that? Something like that. Or some shit like that, 40 – like it was like five or something like that. Like, but like, even if it was four, he played seven, four years in high school, three years in college, or three years in college, right? So. so even if it's four, and I'm pretty sure it was more than four, even if it's four, that means that he like choked in the playoffs more than fifty percent of the time. Not him choking, but like they didn't, you know, get it done. And like, for the the quarterback messiah, this guy's being praised out to be. I don't know. It just kind of it's not a red flag. It's like a like a greenish yellow flag. Um, and then the, the, the Etienne pick, I don't know why they did that. I mean, I know they Luxury needed a pick. I know it's that the same thing as the Jamar chase thing. They needed a running back, but, but the thing is, but the Jamar chase no, they thing, didn't, they had a thousand yard rusher as a rookie, but they, they needed another running back. You need two in the NFL these days. You can't get by with one, but for a team that's supposed to be rebuilding. And we talked about what a replaceable pick that is. But no team, but right, and I understand what you're saying, and I and I agree with you the the luxury pick, but it was just a shit pick. There's no running back in this draft class that's going to give you the first round return. Um, it, it's it was a, it was dumb, um, yeah. and then they continued to go dumb in the second round with Tyson Campbell. Um, terrible pick. Um, I mean, good corner, but they didn't need him. They have C.J. Henderson. They have Shaquille Griffin. They have so much invested into the cornerback trio, the cornerbacks that they already have, and their cornerback group isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, and Campbell was not in the top 100 and was drafted 33rd overall. Um, the pick of, of Walker Little was interesting because um, he hasn't he hasn't played since 2019. He got injured halfway through the season, so there's kind of a big question mark as to what he's going to be like, what he's going to be. Um, I think with the right coaching, he could be really, really good. But Jacksonville hasn't always been known for its coaching. And Cisco has a really good range and playmaking ability. Um, I like that pick a lot from them. Again, like I said, you know, they, they had a lot of things they needed to address. So there wasn't really a lot of wrong options. But they kind of found a lot of the wrong options to take. Um, Trevor Lawrence should have pretty much cemented an A- minus for them, guaranteed. But I give him a B. And Titans, round it out. The Tennessee Titans in the first round took cornerback Caleb Farley uh, at number 22. With In the second round, they went offensive tackle and Dylan Radnuz? Raduns? Uh, Radballs. Dylan Reese. <laughs> um, Do you like that, Kendall? I did. Then, then it was, I mean, primarily defense from there on out with a linebacker, corner, 
They did take a receiver. Well, ended up with two receivers, but a defensive end and a safety. Um, so the Titans, I mean, they had to address wide receiver at some point. Um, because outside of A.J. Brown, they don't have one. Corey Davis is gone. Um, I don't even know who their number three was. But they, they had to address wide receiver. I mean, Tannehill's got to throw the ball to somebody. Um, personally, I, I think they kind of botched the first-round pick with Caleb Farley. Um, the kid the kid is talented, but he, he has some um, pretty serious injury concerns. Um, I, I think that that's a guy they, they probably could have gotten later. Of, of the corners that were there, he was probably the one most primed to fall. Um, but, you know, they, they addressed the need. Um, overall, I, I give them a C plus. I, I don't think they really did anything great. Um, you know, luckily for them, that, that division is still... Relatively open. I mean, you know, that we're expecting big things from the Colts. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, who know, who knows with the Jags, but I, the Texans, I think, are probably going to have the first pick next year. So, <laughs> you know. Um, well, do they have their pick next year? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Uh, TBD. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Titans, I think they had a draft to forget. All right. So let's round it out with the AFC West. We'll bang through this real quick. Uh, Denver Broncos with the first round ninth overall pick. They picked Patrick Sertain, cornerback out of Alabama. Day two, they took running back Javante Williams, uh, line, uh, lineman Quinn Mir- uh, Mirnez, and linebacker Baron Browning. And then they rounded it out with two safeties, a receiver, a corner, corner, cornerback, and two edge rushers on day three. Um, Patrick Sertain kind of turned a lot of heads when they drafted him because they're kind of loaded at corner. I forget the who's the number one corner there. In uh, Denver. Uh, Mass, you there? He's muted. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's not Chris Harris anymore. No, no, no. I forget who it is. It's really pissing me off. But they also got Kyle Fuller yeah. on a one-year deal. So, a lot of people were wondering because of how loaded their defensive uh, back situation really is. But Patrick Sertain is a surefire player. Um, he's an elite technical cornerback. Um, he can press receivers. Off the line, in on the line, he can play zone at a very good level. He is by far the best corner in this draft, in my opinion. And Kyle Fuller, I think, is just kind of signed a one-year deal after being cut with a defensive co- person that he knows. And I don't know that he's going to be there next year, so I don't, I don't hate that pick at all. I think it was a great pick. Um, day two, they took, in my opinion, the best running back on the board, and Javante Williams. They traded up to get him, which is a, you know kind of raises eyebrows in the scout head because the running back class is so weak to sacrifice things to get him. But we know what the, the running back carousel has been for the Denver Broncos since Peyton Manning. Um, so I'm not really that surprised um, that they, they went running back in this draft. They also took the uh, inside uh, offensive lineman, Quinn Mirnez, the def- uh, Division Three prospect. Um He's got a good leverage of power, great technical ability. He's very intelligent and arguably will be the starting center for that team going into the season. And um, Browning is has potential to be a next-level pass rusher. I think we're watching the, the future Von Miller replacement in that right there. Um, and then Jamar Johnson, who they got at the safety in round five, 
might be the biggest steal of the entire draft. Um, could be potentially the best pick of the entire draft. Um, he fits Fangio's defense. Um, and in my, my opinion was a th- third round, if not second round guy, great coverage ability. Um, size was a scary factor, but I don't think that's something you have to stay away from. We've seen undersized corners make a good name for themselves. He plays all over the field. He covers sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone on every single play. Um, in my opinion, I think what a lot of people were looking at for the Broncos in this draft was who's the quarterback going to be? Who are they drafting at quarterback? Um, at nine, I think that they, you know, there there's been reports that they were fielding a lot of trade options for people looking to get up and get Fields at nine, and nobody bit. They obviously were not sold on Fields. Here's my thing. If you're not sold on a guy as a team, you don't just take him because he's there. You, you have to go with your gut. You're an NFL franchise. you got to build a certain way. I think that the Denver Broncos, in my opinion, had the best draft in the 2020 NFL season to go or going into the 2020 NFL season. What they are doing is they are setting up a team that when they get the quarterback that they want, he's going to walk into a picture-perfect segment. They're not only that, they're Javon, building to fight against the Chiefs. No, but it's not about, it's not about fighting against the Chiefs. Because in, in today's NFL, with these extra uh, playoff spots and stuff, you know, the division stuff doesn't even matter. Winning the division doesn't even matter anymore, in my opinion. Really, it's, it, you either win the, you're either first in your your conference or the rest of it's irrelevant. Home games. I mean, the, nobody that makes the playoffs in the NFL can is is winless on the road. You know what I mean? So, um. The, they're setting up to have a really good team on paper for when they get the quarterback to come in. And I think that Denver is a very serious team to watch out for in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes if that becomes a thing. Because Aaron Rodgers wants to go West Coast. He wants to be close to be able to do Jeopardy and yada, yada, yada. Um, I think Denver is setting themselves up to be a very serious contender in the next five years. I give him an A+. Plus. Wow. High praise. I, I think they had the best draft, I in do my you. opinion. I uh, uh, Chiefs. Chiefs, um, their biggest move came not in the draft. It came a week prior to the draft when they traded or when they swapped picks with the Baltimore Ravens to acquire their offensive tackle Orlando Brown to play left tackle. Uh, their first selection was Nick Bolton out of Missouri. Uh, I think it was a good pick at that point because I don't think that there was any offensive lineman that was worth the pick. And they had already spent the entire offseason rebuilding that line anyways until they selected center Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, which I'm very jealous of, you little bastards. Um, This is a team that saw their biggest weakness was uh, not being able to protect Patrick Mahomes and not being able to get to the quarterback. Uh, so they took Joshua Kendo out of Florida State in the fourth round to try and bolster that pass rush a little bit along with Nick Bolton. But the Chiefs' main goal this offseason was rebuilt in that offensive line, and they have five new starters coming in. And they are ready to go back to the Super Bowl. And lose to Tom Brady. I gave them a B overall. All right. We'll go ahead and go to the Chargers. The L.A. Chargers. Um, I think they had a, a very good draft. Um, first round went with offensive tackle and Rashawn Slater. and the second round, they were able to grab corner Asante Samuel Jr., I think it was two picks that, I mean, had to be made, and and they went out and got, excuse me, the the best player like available at those picks. Um, 
they they did bring in some offensive talent with a receiver, a tight end, and a running back, and then um, also an offensive another offensive lineman. Um, they brought in a defensive end, a linebacker, and then a safety. So I mean the the Chargers are definitely an up and coming team. I think that. Herbert was a big surprise last year where we knew he could play, but he wasn't supposed to play last year. And when he came in, I mean, he, he took the team over. He, he was he was electric to watch. Um, so bringing in Slater who can just help protect him is great. Um, then you bring in Asante Samuel Jr., who, who like we said, I mean, they, they play in a pretty offensive conference, maybe not so much division, but, um, you know, you, you – Got to have corners to, to keep up with Kansas City. Um, so I think the Chargers had a very good draft. I give them an A-. minus. Nice. And we'll round it out with the ever-so-questionable Raiders. So their first two selections, very interesting as oh, feels like. Gruden's a bad drafter. <laughs> well, Gruden's not the one drafting. He's in the room. Yeah, he, you're going to tell me he doesn't have a, a say in it, though? He is, but Mayock is the guy who's supposed to be the guy. Yeah, yeah, but but John Gruden has a say in it. I think the perfect combination is like John Gruden at coach, Ryan Pace at man at general manager. <laughs> like just let the like just trade away all your first round picks. Let Ryan Pace just work magic three through five, and then let Gruden coach him. <laughs> um, they took uh, offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood to be their, according to them, plug-and-play right tackle out of the University of Alabama. I don't know what that means. How are you a plug-and-play at one position? Listen, when he sits out, he wants to sit out, you know? Listen, I'm just quoting what Mayock was saying. Uh, I personally believe that they reached with uh, the Trayvon Morig pick. Uh, wasn't a bad pick. It was a little bit of a reach, but... Um, Grabbing Edge Malcolm uh, Conacy, he's my biggest sleeper uh, pass rusher in this draft. He's going to have to show that he can compete against uh, NFL-level competition, which he did not do in college. Uh, But it's going to be interesting to see if he does anything uh, like the only other Buffalo player to be selected in the first round. Uh, It's actually funny now that I think about it. Raiders were the team to pick both of those. Um, then in the third round, they also selected uh, my name of the draft in Divine Diablo out of Virginia Tech. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Gus Bradley knows how to use him, considering he's kind of like a gadget player on defense, he's a little bit of a linebacker, he's a little bit of a safety. Um, I, I, I don't I don't know with this I I think that they could have traded back and gotten more picks. They had to trade up pretty expensively to go up and get T- Trayvon Morig. But it's it's good picks. I mean, I'll I'll give them a B minus. It's the highest I've ever seen. Um. All right, cool. There you go. Those are shitty rankings <laughs> or gradings. Um, sorry it took so long. Beer reviews. Put souls to sleep, so it can't be that good. Um, Mock, how was your uh, workhorse? The workhorse, I, to me, is one of my um, favorite beers, really, from Counterway. I, I do enjoy Pilsner's. This is a great one. Um, I, I would definitely get it again. 3.8. Right. Well, I had the Scoby Snacks from Blackhawk Brewing, our friends at Blackhawk Brewing. 
um, which I believe is considered a Brett Sour. Not entirely sure. I forget what it was. It's in my book somewhere, but I'll probably want to find it. Um, but it, it definitely has like those like soury type of notes to it. It's not a beer for everybody for sure. Um, a lot of lemongrass, um, rosemary, and strawberry. Very light, refreshing. Um, very heavy on the yeast, if that's your type of thing. Um, not crushable, but definitely enjoyable. Um, I would give it 4.1 out of 5. Really glad I was able to get some more of it in 2021. Mass, how is your iced tea? Refreshing. Kendall, gin and tonics? I had actually, well, courtesy, it, this is from the Riddler collection, as it, as it almost always is. Um, I had, starting off with the uh, Ten Grey uh, number 10, uh, which was the gin base in the Fever Tree uh, tonic water. Uh, so it wasn't like... An, Fever it, Tree it, has the best slogan ever. What a mixer. The slogan is, if, if you're... If, Two-thirds of your drink is going to be a mixer. Why not mix with the best? <laughs> it's a good slogan. Hey, that's pretty cocky. I like that. Uh, no, I didn't have an equal, um, you know, mix. Uh, when yeah, I was it was make- a pretty terrible fucking mix. Well, when I was making them at home, I had a, a pretty equal mix. I, I pretty I followed it to a tea. And actually, I, I usually I carry, I have lime juice on me all the time. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, at, at home, anyway. So I didn't, I didn't have lime juice tonight. But it was good. Uh, I, I enjoyed it very much because I'm a big gin and tonic fan. <sighs> I also had from the Riddler collection was the Bombay uh, Blackberry Raspberry Gin. Uh, Bombay Bramble. Uh, which is a totally different thing. Uh, I couldn't imagine, you know, mixing this with anything. It seems like the perfect standalone. Because, uh, wow. well, I mean, I couldn't imagine what you would have this with. Bajillion things. We'll talk off here. Well, that's fine. But, I mean, you know, I... I I myself could have this just as is over ice. It'd be amazing. And I also, as we all did, uh, the ninety nine uh, terrible uh, mystery flavor zero zero out of five. Yeah, not not excellent. Not excellent. Zero out of five. Uh, we'll drink next week. But for you people who listen and are a hard liquor drinker, if you like gin and tonics, uh, get ten gray. Matt, you coming next week? Uh, that's the plan. All right, cool. We're doing a segment called Guess That Sandwich next week. Yes. Okay. You're going to eat a sandwich. you got to guess what's in it. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> I'm down. Nice. Um, Kendall, what's on the PPRN Radio Network these days? Okay. Uh, as you know, getting supposed to drunk, we take part on Mondays. Yeah. If you haven't figured it out, we're, we, do, we do that. Um, otherwise, uh, the Peter Pinto Show, uh, Wednesday night, 7.30 to 10.30. Uh, Pete Liddy, correct? Uh, I think he's taking a break right now. We'll return soon. I, Mike Rotola has got three shows on the network. Uh, best shit you never heard. Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Uh, the Hell Fucking Year podcast, weekdays at 3 p.m. Uh, he and his wife do a show uh, Friday Night Delight at 3 p.m. Joe Antonio's show every Thursday at noon and a uh, mixed show on Sundays at 11 a.m. It's the Boo Show. takes place Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Choreorama, he's got a show on uh, Sundays, 2 p.m., and Dylan Monday on Delay, uh, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Every other week is Mixtape Saturday. We're coming off of Mixtape Saturday. It was an amazing, amazing mix. Uh, the mixing team, PBRN, and uh, in addition, every Saturday is the PBRN uh, Access Live concert series. Has not been announced yet, but uh, stay tuned to all the social media channels. They'll have all the info you need. Listen. Live through live through sixty five app or the PPRN website. Oh, mock social medias. Listen, Facebook is getting sports with drunk. 
Twitter and Instagram, GSWD underscore four. Make sure to use the hashtag GSWD for all your daily uses, whether it's Kendall playing terrible music during our outro or doing or, or reading defeated with James Voitek. Voitek. Thank you, James, joining the show. Yeah. Um, listen, like, subscribe, review, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Jeez, said that funny. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Apple. Op, op, op. Apples and Bonobos. On Podbean and Spotify and iHeartRadio. Wherever you find, find internet and radio podcasts. Us. <laughs> Wherever you find internet and radio podcasts. Yep, we're there. Uh yeah, so make sure to tune in next week. I don't know what we got planned next week. It's be a surprise. I don't know. Figure it out in the chat. Um, I know Kendall's got something he wants to do. Yes, got a good stuff head. It's probably gonna be <sighs> shitty. Gonna debate. Um, d- d- fuck. Haha. It's gonna debut it the week later. Yeah. No, it's happening next week. If everyone's here, said that last week. Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> they weren't all here. They weren't all here. Massey's here. He's just here in presence. Well, I need him. And for... Kyle slept. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, Kyle wasn't here either. <laughs> Um, yeah, so make sure to tune in. We'll figure something out. It'll be fun. NFL's over. We're going to get it. We're getting into the meat and potatoes of our show where we try to, huh? It's never over. It's over. We're not talking about it again until preseason. Listen, we always say that. Well, I run the show, so. (laughs) It's not happening. (laughs) Other than masses, what happened to this week? It ain't going to be brought up. Um, unless it's in a game. Wait till we draft. The next 14 drafts are going to (laughs) be Man, if Mass's chair just broke the lumbar, <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> it would have been the greatest thing ever. Make sure to tune in next week to PPRN Radio Network for Getting Sports with Drunk and all the other PPRN great stuff. Until then, though, I'm your host, Cupcake the Riddler. I'm Mark. Machine washable. Nope. He's sleeping. I'm sleepy, fold. <laughs> the Mass Chris Massey. And the Red of Red Baron. Yeah.